Hello listeners, Hugh here's just a quick one. So after making this week's episode, me and Sam decided that it was a little bit too long, so we thought we'd split it up into three parts. So what you're about to hear is part three of our end of decade review special, where we go through the last four years of the decade. We also give out what we think um, is our film of the year. We say which we which directors, which actors and which actress has had the best film decade in terms of their impact and we also do a fun little quiz at the end so uh, stay tuned and enjoy all that over to you Hugh hello and welcome back to please watch this end of decade special so logically understandably we're moving into what year Sam uh 2016 if a maths checks out um yep just uh, did some quick calculations here on paper. Yep, you're good. Yeah, we're good. What year 2016 was, by the way? Like that was one of those just Anus Horribiluses. Yeah, Horribilis eye, horrible eye. Yeah, I mean, one of them. You know, it was a bad year. It was a horrible anus. Is uh, is how I interpret that. Yeah, it's Death. not. It's not a year I look back with fondness. No, no, except it was the year that uh, me and my partner got pregnant. That was like the good thing to come out of that. That's basically all I can glean. And you know what? There were some bloody good films. There were some bloody good films. 2016 was the year of the old uh, kerfuffle. Um, uh, The Oscars, La La Land was given best picture. And then a very quick turnaround. They had to come up and say, actually, we meant to give it to Moonlight. All along, we gave the wrong envelope. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you couldn't. You really. You well, you could make it up, but if someone put it in a film, they would call it incredulous. So yeah, yeah, it was good fun. I think it's, <laughs> that that phrase "you couldn't make it up." Just as a side note, is you you used it well, uh, but sometimes the way that say football commentators use it is hilarious. It'll be a player scores against his old club, and you go, "You couldn't script it," and you go, "What? I couldn't write that." <laughs> that player <laughs> scores get in a meaningful match. <laughs> yeah. Piss off! Uh, but you know, I thought you used it correctly. <laughs> um, what films stood out for you in 2016? So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six films on this list for 2016. So me too. I'm going to yeah, rattle through too. them quick as you like. So we've already done Arrival. Um, you can go back and listen to our episode on that. Uh, yeah, an absolutely stunning uh, film by uh, French Canadian uh, filmmaker Denis Villeneuve. Uh, we got the the start of the R-rated. Um, Superhero movies in Deadpool, a film that had no right to be as good as it was. Um, we got some. Top... Do you know? I have to say, I was disappointed by Deadpool. Were you really? I thought it yeah. was going to be an absolute hot mess because I wasn't sold on Ryan Reynolds as an actor, uh, as a human being. <laughs> no, I mean he's, you know, he's one of those actors who is kind of playing Ryan Reynolds quite a lot of the time. And yeah, I, I mean, I didn't really like his Van Wilder stuff. And, I never. And do you know what? Thing, I've yeah. never seen it because it just looked shit. Yeah, and yeah, he's had a great five years. Now, for Deadpool, for me, I I was relatively late to it, and when I watched it, I thought, wow, this whole the whole conflict of this film is he doesn't like how he looks now, uh, even though they saved his life and gave him immortality. Basically, <laughs> that's like the whole conceit is that he doesn't like that he looks like a sort of bumpy testicle now. Yeah, and um, that's fine, but I didn't I didn't care sad avocado about sex. that at all. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, so it really disappointed me. And it, the the comedy wears a little bit. I thought the PR was fantastic and it was really well marketed. I really liked the adverts and I do like the character, but yeah, it wasn't for me. I've not seen Deadpool 2 as a result. I, I just sort of, I've had enough of it. 
Oh, Deadpool 2 is another film that's absolutely brilliant as well. Again, a film that had no right to be as good as it was back off the success of its first one. But yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really funny. Um, It's, you know, it was just meta enough to know when to stop. Some films can be very self-aware and take that too far. This plays, it's it's a very hard line to walk, but I'm not going to get into it too much. It's... It's a good film. It's not the best film of that year, but uh, really great fun. Um, you also had Captain America: Civil War. Another, um, just I think it was kind of when the MCU grew up a little bit. Most people might it's, say the Winter yeah. Soldier, but I, I don't know. I, just, I still think the end of the Winter Soldier was a bit of you know crash, loud, bang, shouty things. The best thing about Civil War is that when they get to that compound, all those. Assassins and snipers, have, oh, the assassins have been shot, and yeah. the, the, it's leading up to a big battle sequence with them, and then it's just Tony and uh, uh, Captain America, yeah, Steve, and it's just great, it, yeah. And and it, the, uh, what, uh, what, uh, well, I was watching something recently anyway, uh, and it was showing why. Uh, oh dear, I forgot the film. Anyway, it was showing why a film didn't work oh yeah a film why it didn't work oh that film a film yeah I know that film indeterminate things <laughs> oh gosh what was it what was it uh, uh, it was a film uh, where thingy oh uh, yeah when he did the thing with the thing and then everyone oh, there was an inciting was... incident and then there was a yeah. second act and then the uh, third then act thing. then the credits uh, rolled oh god I, <laughs> yeah I was the actors and the actors there was a anyway there's a film yeah where, oh that's it Dark Phoenix oh <laughs> right okay <laughs> yeah um, where uh, have you seen Dark Phoenix? I have, yeah. Spoiler so, alert for Dark Phoenix, but it was in the marketing. Yeah, I'll try I know what be... you're going to say, so just say it. No, no, I don't think it, I don't think you do. It, anyway, oh, it so was saying right. that one, one of the problems was that basically a character was talked down from oh. doing something destructive, but without any new information. It was basically just repeated to them again what they already knew. It was kind of like a Save Martha moment where they then stopped doing that. They stopped killing a person that they were going to kill, even though they're just reminded of the things they already know. The great thing about the fight at the end of Civil War between Iron Man and, and uh, Captain America is that uh, he's standing up for Bucky, uh, Captain America is, and then Tony Stark still acts aggressively because that's the human condition. He, he acted in a... In a oh, should we spoil Civil War? I mean, people have had time. It's a huge film. People know about it, don't they? Um, look, if you're listening to this... We're going to give you a second now to, if you ever want to watch the film, go out the room and uh, <laughs> perhaps, I don't know, put the kettle on, listen to... Uh, Tell somebody you love them. Tell somebody you yeah, love them. Yeah, listen to the shipping forecast. That's always relaxing. Yeah. Um, Come back in 40 seconds. Yeah. So, <laughs> three, two, one, spoiler. Uh, yeah, so, Bucky yeah. killed, you know, Tony Stark's parents and... Captain America's trying to stand up for Bucky and says, look, it wasn't really him, he was being programmed. And Captain America knows that, but he reacts in a human way and starts fighting and gets angry about it. And it was it's just a film that better understood well, I don't, human nature. I don't know if Captain America filmmaking. comes off the worst in that. I think it was more Tony Stark where he's he's like, you know, he's he you know, Buck, um Captain America stands up for his friend who was at the time being mind controlled. Okay, that's that's a strange word, you know thing to throw in there but Tony Stark's reaction is I don't care that's the human exactly, that's the exactly, real yeah. bit it's that's like, the human element yeah that's yeah. right and that's why that, that was such a good moment and such a good scene because it's two people who are friends I mean you know it's civil war so the 
the airport sequence. That's it's not a big CGI faceless Chitari army. It's people you care about on both sides. Yeah, really towing that line really well. Of they don't really want to kill each other. They just want to stop them from doing the thing they want to do and get to the plane or whatnot. Yeah, uh, and the escalation, really the slow escalation of that scene as well is quite. I mean, it's yeah. a fast paced scene, but it. It starts off quite slowly, doesn't it, where they're just trying to, like you say, disable the other person, and in the yeah. end, one of them gets disabled because... And, because yeah. and it's not just punching each other, it's creative, you know, it's... They use their powers creatively, and it's new, and it's it's not just punch, punch, punch. Which brings me to my favourite film of the year, and that's uh, ba- Batman vs Superman. Batman vs Superman. Oh, no, wait, no, that's not, no, that's not my favourite film, that's... Uh, Top of a list of festering turds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one thing I would never like mind. to say just on Civil War, though, that I think one of the achievements of that film was before you saw it, when you kind of knew a, like a slim outline of the plot, I was like, oh, well, before I went to see that film, I was like, well, at no point here am I going to be on Tony Stark's side. Am I going to sympathise with them put, being put under these controls by yeah. nefarious government authorities, especially since S.H.I.E.L.D.'s not around to protect them and S.H.I.E.L.D. was itself... Yeah, exactly, was infested with <laughs> Hydra agents, which I think is a really bad plot device in well, Captain America's Winter Soldier. It. But, you know, it works for that film. And... Just about. And uh, yeah, to the fact that I came out of that going, I can see it from both sides and I can see why Tony Stark had this feeling, you know, why he wanted to go with the Sokovia cause. I can see why each character makes their own choice to do what they do. No character makes a choice that doesn't feel natural to them. Which again was why Batman vs Superman was so shit. Because <laughs> it wasn't like two sides that you both agree with that have legitimate arguments that are believable in the... Co- Batman vs Superman, I think, is the worst film of all time. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's that. You've not seen the I extended edition. Well, exactly. I Which makes it better. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to watch. I don't, I'm not going to watch another hour of the film. To make it, I've already wasted three hours. On that. <laughs> I don't Honestly, think it's that it bad. was so shit. Mm. Oh god, I think it was the worst film of all time because it's got Batman in it and Superman in it, as the title suggests, and Wonder Woman in it, and yet they they like oh, they just ruin everything. Like the villains are terrible. Uh, it's really stupid and confusing. You know, it's not like dumb, enjoyable, stupid. It's just like not as smart as it needs to be or wants to be it's just all over the place and that uh, what's the thing Abomination is that the thing no not Abomination yeah no you're right Abomination Yeah, that's just the worst choice for like a final CG boss thing I still don't get just the same way that like Steppenwolf was like that in Justice League like stop making these pointless things that have no real motivation that are Understandable. God, I hate that film. Oh, God. Sorry, I need to breathe. It's all right. Did you see it in the cinema? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I fucking did. Oh, God. And I can't remember what the point was, but there was a point where I went, oh, it's shit. And I just enjoyed laughing at it. It was the same with a film called Knowing. Um, my friend at uni got... Uh, yeah, oh, Ben. I've... Ben got a new TV. Oh, no, no, not Ben. Our other housemate got a new TV big widescreen thing so we went out and we bought a blu-ray to celebrate to and you bought the knowing we, we bought knowing and we thought oh this you know we don't really know anything about this is that the Nicolas Cage film the Nicolas Cage film and at the time that was the worst film ever made I think that film far worse than Batman versus Superman it, yeah it was the worst film ever made until I watched Lucy that was then the worst film ever made and then Batman versus Superman was the worst film ever made but there was a point in in knowing where we all just about 45 minutes in one of us said 
is it just me or is this shit? And after that, we just we enjoyed laughing at it, just ripping it to shreds. <laughs> what a waste of a first DVD, Blu-ray to watch on that beautiful, you know, beautiful TV that you had. Do you know what? It's when you watch a film and you you laugh at the wrong bits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, yeah, something clicks and you go, oh right, it's shit. I think in terms of worst films of the decade. Batman versus Superman's definitely up there, but I still think yeah. it's be- I still think it's more watchable than Fantastic Four. God, that film was bad. <laughs> so boring. It just didn't. I've, it didn't have a final. I've watched act. video essays about so, how bad it is. I've never actually seen it. it <laughs> I felt like I've watched Cinema Sins, the pitch meeting, and a couple of video essays. I don't need to watch that piece of shit. Yeah, I think Batman versus Superman. The biggest problem they had was they'd set their turn out. They didn't have Chris, Christopher Bale coming back, so they had to create this new <laughs> Batman world that was more comic booky. But then, yeah, it didn't really feel like the Batman that everyone had come to know on screen, and you had to find a way for them to fight. And the yeah, character motivations. Yeah, I just don't just... know why they didn't put a few more days of thought into that. It was so stupid. Oh. Yeah. God. I think I do like the bits with Lois Lane in it, though. I think they're not terrible. Well, Amy Adams is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, she's great. I think it's but... hard to get Lex Luthor to motivate. Like, what is his, his motivation? Is to kill Superman? I think. Yeah. I think. Do you think maybe that would have been a more interesting film? Would it? Would it have been rather than looking at it? Because I think the film spends a lot of time looking at. It from the point of view of Batman and it's meant to be a Superman film really because that's what it's a sequel to it's a sequel to Man yeah. of Steel and Henry Cavill just is a big moody boy for three hours <laughs> isn't he he's given so little to do isn't he oh god oh, and I think they Remy did some of that in Justice League a little bit they've given him a bit more of that all, all American hero sort of attitude but yeah and I think Ben Affleck just went do you know what after the panning, after uh, Justice League got panned, he just was like, I'm out of here. I can't be arsed with this yeah. anymore. Which yeah. they then decided to go and make some fun movies, <laughs> which really annoys yeah. me. And it's like, you can fit Batman into this because it, it works in the comics and it works in the kids' TV shows. I, I, just, I just don't know who... Why is nobody else reading these scripts? Surely it must go to a dozen different people to read these scripts and give notes and feedback. Why is anyone going, this is really bad... Start from scratch again. We'll, you know, we'll give you another year to make this actually good. I mean, Suicide Squad. Oh. I think I've mentioned before. There's a a really good. I think that's uh, worse than Batman versus Superman. That is. You know what? I I enjoyed Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad more when I watched it. But you're right. On reflection and having watched the same 30 minute <laughs> takedown of its editing, uh, oh, I do go. Yeah, these are basically on par for shining. So badly edited. They just yeah. didn't know what they were doing. They're like, oh, we've got this huge creature, magical creature. Let's go send some people. Let's go send a woman with a baseball bat and a guy who can shoot and has a really good aim. That's not going to do anything. It, like, it's the, magic. It's central premise. Because like, it's set up, what if Superman wanted to just come down to the White House and take the president? Oh, well, uh, we'd, yeah, we need a guy with a baseball bat, a woman who's a bit crazy, but also with a baseball bat, a guy who's really good at shooting bullets, and yeah. a big crocodile kind of person and a guy who can make fire who doesn't want to make fire but the, you know, pre- it was just, the premise of it uh, is brilliant the except for that they're supposed to be able to stop superman yeah it's that's just a shoehorn superman in yeah Batman, you know yeah the premise is great of let's get these bunch of villains yeah that film like i don't know for us. like when people go and he's like save martha i was like 
Yeah, maybe in that moment he would think about his mum and be like, she's in trouble. You know, I know that you're supposed to... He knows that he's a hero, ostensibly, so he would say that. That, me, to me, makes sense that he says that. It doesn't make sense why Batman would hesitate and have <laughs> a moment of goes, Oedipal what? sort of... <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> yeah, that was, where I just, that was where I started laughing in the cinema because I thought... This is fucking mental. <laughs> I didn't laugh at the time. There's an old saying: you can you can get into you can get your characters into problems, but via coincidence. But you can't get them out via coincidence. And that was just like, go back and spend another week thinking about how to end this scene. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't why why settle there? There's creative minds working on this. I don't understand. Do you know what I think they should have done in that fight, or to set up that fight? I think they should have gone for something. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but some sort of mind control over either Batman or Superman, because then the motivations are clear that they're not themselves, rather than both being themselves. It's like the minute Superman turns up after being dispatched by Lex Luthor, it's like, so Lex Luthor, because he's stolen the kryptonite, Lex Luthor just goes, right, well, I assume Batman has figured out a way to kill Superman, so it (laughs) saves me a job. Essentially. Yeah. But what if he hadn't and he just came back with Batman's head and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> That's not what I wanted. he's just a man with a lot of money, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, That's right, fun. now I've done what you want. Give me my mum and then I'm going to murder you within like two <laughs> chicks of a lamb's tail. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. It's horrible film. We can make I a almost want to watch it again <sighs> to get my heart rate up and just be like, yeah. I feel like it would make me feel less ill. To watch it, I think suicide so much of bile and venal, splenetic juices. I think Suicide Squad's much worse though. I think the editing's really bad. I think there's the bit where it lost me in Suicide Squad, and I was not really on board after the first hour anyway. When I found out like the main villain was some CGI monstrosity, was (laughs) when they um, rescue Amanda Waller. And then she just murders her own team for no real yeah. reason. It's not like a twist, is it? It's just it's just for effect, and it's like that yeah, makes no yeah. sense. You you want to extract yourself? Well, it, you're going to extract yourself and these people. You're not. You want to ha- <laughs> your job is to protect Americans, and then, then just what if they work for you? You're not protecting them. At least you can say, well, these are criminals. They have forfeited their some of their rights, and you know you can. Whilst you might not condone the actions of a government to use its own citizenry in such a way, and one of them isn't its own citizen because one of them's Captain Boomerang, but you can say <laughs> I can understand the logic there because in the court of public opinion, in a world where you have superheroes and you have villains and things like that, then yeah, they're going to be like, yeah, well, if we can use them to our own advantage than we would but well that's it because she didn't shoot those people and then it turns out she's a double agent it was yeah, just, she just straight like, cold blooded murdered people who work for her yeah analysts. I wanted it to cut to one of those Austin Powers sequences of you know anonymous <laughs> FBI henchman uh, his wife is at home <laughs> <laughs> trying to explain to his child what's happened Oh, God. It's like, how did he die? Oh, um, the enchantress got them. Well, what did the autopsy (laughs) say? Tentacles. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, three bullets to the... I mean, yeah. (laughs) Oh, the tentacle went through its head? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like a bullet impact. Yeah, it can do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just... Yeah, God. So let's move on to films we like, because I'm getting depressed. So uh, what did you like? So other films from 2016. Um, <laughs> we've had, in fact, 2016 so far has been the year that we've had the most uh, episodes from uh, our show on. So I've got Arrival, Rogue One, Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, um, good call. Yeah. And so, There's a film we've mentioned before. 
that I have on my list Swiss Army Man oh gosh yeah I totally forgot about mentioning that for this film list yeah it's one of those films that doesn't appear in a lot of the top films of this year lists while we're doing our research yeah yeah we talked about that listeners uh, try to watch Swiss Army Man try and find it somewhere and watch it it's just just balls to the wall fun isn't it it's so silly and ludicrous and it's just great na- sweet. great narrative as well yeah it's quite it's quite evo- evocative and moving actually um, yeah watch that film if you can listener yep. there's a film here uh, that uh, I don't think you've seen Train to Busan no I've not seen Train to Busan uh, tell me a bit more about it because I'm not overly familiar with it zombies on a train in Korea well that's enough for me yeah, so we're going to do that in a. Have you seen Snowpiercer? No, is it any good? Um, quite mediocre to me. It's. I'm trying to think what it's like specifically. It's hard to explain. Yeah, what is it like? I never. Is saw, it like there was a the film called School? High Rise or something, wasn't there, that came out this decade, which was like different oh, what classes was, uh, of people on different levels of Tom a building. Hiddleston. Yeah, I've not seen it myself. Yeah, with um, it, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, the place of the J.G. Ballard. Um, yeah, yeah I watched a, that and it was alright. Yeah, It's a bit like that. It's a social commentary, essentially. But Oh, really? I mean, I've only ever seen, like, the, the you know, the poster. I thought it was some action-y thing. Oh, yeah, it is a big action-y thing as well. But right. it's, 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 um, yeah, it's got a, it's got a very strong central premise to it. And, uh. They're making an American Hollywood version of it, which they don't really need to do because this one stars. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a bit of a coup for the studio to make to get a Western star in it and get Tilda right. Swinton in it, um, and there's a couple of other uh, big Hollywood actors in it as well. So, yeah, really? uh, there's a there's a famous Korean actor in it who's really good in it as well. Um, yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. That was back in 2013, I think that film came out. So, I think Tilda Swint... I think they're making a TV... No, they're not making a film. They're making a TV show of it for some unbeknownst right. reason. Yeah, I think... Yeah, there you go. That's his life. Um, a <laughs> film I want to mention from 2016 is the Martin Scorsese film Silent. Oh, yeah. I've never got, got around to watching that because it's, what, three hours? Yeah. Uh, oh. probably quite quiet. Uh, <laughs> I mean... I like those films, don't get me wrong. Sell it to me. It's got atmosphere, it's got Adam Driver, it's got, uh, what's his face, uh, Garf- Andrew, Garfield. Andrew Garfield. It's got a little bit of Ke- Ke- uh, Liam Neeson in. I was going to call him Kevin Neeson then. Uh, Kevin? No, Liam. <laughs> yeah, that's my brother. <laughs> yeah, it's got Liam Neeson in. Yeah, it's much got, less successful. <laughs> it's got a cadre of uh, wonderful Japanese actors in it. Um it's so what is it? Is it um is it monks or something? What is it all about? Is so, it a war film? I don't really know. That's so the trailer. Uh, the premise is that two Jesuit priests get dispatched to Japan to go and find out what happened to their original um like the man who trained them like them. Um, there's no term for it, master, I suppose. You know that kind <laughs> of a way. Um, so Liam Neeson's character is not. Responded essentially and not been heard from. So these two young, uh, talented priests go to Japan and try to find out what happened to him. And it's a story about their survival as this small Catholic underground community and goes through a number of years of their lives and follows Andrew Garfield's character essentially. And yeah, it's just atmospheric. It's it's very powerful. It's very... I'll try not to use the word very again. <laughs> it's atmospheric, <laughs> powerful. There's tension in it to to 
you know, for days. Um, it's very dramatic. It's um, it is a bit of a hard watch at times, um, but I wasn't. Again, a lot of the films I've put on these this list, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was, and it kind of was like, oh, you know, and I, and everyone's been raving about the Irishman recently. I think Silence is a much better film. I will give that a, a go. Uh, again, it's one of those where I think, when am I ever going to be in the mood to watch it? It's, it's come up, I think it's been on Amazon Prime over the years, and I just haven't quite got the, the round to it. My, my tastes have definitely changed the last few years in terms of energy and patience uh, for long films, really. I think the film I really want to uh, sort of point to this this year was The Nice Guys. Yeah, that's a good, fun film, isn't it? Again, it really harks good, back to yeah. what I was saying about kids in this are tre- as intelligent people just yeah. young yeah yeah. and Ryan Gosling again being really funny you know he showed in uh, Crazy oh god I, did, I haven't mentioned Crazy Stupid Love when did that come out was that 2012 too late now oh mate. god I love that film yeah, yeah I clearly love don't love it enough film. do you oh god it's never it's 2011 that came out oh I love that film Cause I think it doesn't come up in terms of best films ever but it's one of my favourites God, yeah. So yeah, Ryan Gosling shows himself to be really funny and nice guys, as does Russell Crowe. But it's kind of evocative of a of a sort of noir crime thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, great film that. Yeah, it was a good fun, wasn't it? And um, yeah, there's a there's a big twist in it, isn't there as well, which uh, I didn't see coming. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah, which is always. Never nice. Um, sometimes. There's two others that really stand out from this year for me. Two more, Christ. Ten, ten, ten Cloverfield Lane. Never seen it. Yeah, we'll, we'll watch that sometime. That's a really good film. Kind of messed with my expectations in all kinds of ways. And then the, the big obvious one was Moonlight. Really, really love. I really want to re-watch Moonlight because I remember loving it, but I'm not sure why. Right. I think, you like, I think you've seen Moonlight, haven't you? So what happened with Moonlight is I sat down to watch it, got about... 40 minutes into it and was very bored <laughs> oh really yeah I was so surprised at how boring it was um, I just couldn't I was expecting this amazing film and I think it's a bit first act heavy and I think I got to I got through the first act when he's a kid I got through the bit when he's a teenager and then it moved into the bit where he's an adult and I think he's in the I think he's in a restaurant talking to the lad that he kissed a few num- a number of years earlier and I just wasn't gripped by it and I was just like do you know what I again sometimes I end up sitting down to watch a film and if if I've got other things to do I'll turn it off and maybe come back to it and this one I never gave, went back to I think Naomi Harris yeah. is really good in it though it's a shame he didn't like it I, I think yeah I feel like I'm on the wrong side of history with this one because <laughs> there's nobody who likes film that I haven't met who doesn't like this film um, I, yeah I, just, I don't know it just didn't just didn't grip me. Maybe for the same reason, <clears throat> you know, I joked earlier about um, films, you know, like French, certain French cinema about, you know, mm. people in these bourgeois worlds. I, I'm not, it's hard for me to, I, to, again, it's an interesting insight, but it's a hard for me to not empathise because I have empathy for this character. You know, he's clearly have a, having a hard life and he's, you know, it's a it's an examination of masculinity in a very toxic masculine world, and he's not a ma- you know he finds out about himself that he's uh, homosexual, and how how does that fit into a culture of you know homophobia? Essentially, that's well, 
not a culture of homophobia, but a culture that deals with homophobia in a very negative way. So, yeah, so I can see why it's so respected and well-liked. And But sometimes, you know, as Edgar Wright says, there's these you know, vegetable films, films you've just got to kind of watch because they're so impactful, a bit like 12 Years a Slave, and in this decade anyway, at least, um, that I would recommend. It just didn't... It didn't move me what I thought it was going to do. Cause I find it so hard to predict your your whether you're going to like a film or not because I know that you you're not you're not a philistine you're not somebody who dislikes thoughtful slow paced films like Denis Villeneuve Villeneuve's films but often you do have quite bread and butter mainstream tastes you know you you like Bond and Star Wars and Indiana Jones and that sort of thing but it's not like I say it's not that you're an idiot <laughs> or a philistine who can't appreciate these films but I think so often if it's a film like Moonlight then it yeah, I thought I was going to honestly genuinely thought I was going to like it I was sitting down I got ready to watch a film for a couple of hours that I was like yes this film's probably going to win the Oscar it's going to be you know I'm going to remember it because it's been highly rated and I just was a little bored by it and I was just like oh it's it's it, the, I struggled with the pacing maybe if I go back and watch it and just accept that it's a snapshot of this lad's life or this man's life in different periods and it's just these interactions that he has when he's a young man when he's a teenager and when he's a is it is he an adult twice in this I can't remember oh, yeah I'm not sure I think he's a young adult and then I, I, I can't they remember use the same, I remember so little of the film do they use the same actor when he's an adult is it or is it just three I times? Use, I think they use three different yeah. actors. Yeah, Do, I really I need to watch it again. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm talking about a film I don't really know. <laughs> but yeah, um better than La La Land, I'll imagine. La La Land's okay. Um quite yeah, I'm glad it beat La La Land. If it, if I go back and watch it again and enjoy it, I'll be grateful for it. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know what it was. It's hard to explain. Sometimes, a bit like you with um, Blade Runner 2049, I really like that film. There is a hollowness to it, though, sometimes emotionally in it. And I think that it was trying so hard to convey this young man's emotions, I just couldn't grip onto them myself, I suppose. Yeah, and if you just happen to be tired when you try and watch it, that can be enough to to ruin the enjoyment of it. I, I wasn't. Well, yeah. I sat down in the middle of the day, I had some time off, and I was like, right, I'm going to watch Moonlight. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah I, it's 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 not science, is it? No. Um, so, are those are all the big mentions. Have you got any more from twenty sixteen? Uh, no, that's everything that I've got off my list. Right, this might be a difficult one to. So, ones ones that I know that we both really like: Swiss Army Man, yep. Civil War. Yep. Obviously, Batman vs Superman. Obviously, I mean uh, <laughs> that might be my choice. God, yeah. So I think the. The choice I would make that I think you'd like the most is probably Captain America: Civil War. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised you didn't love um, what's it as much as you did uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. I really thought, like, I know you liked it, but I thought if he watches that, he's gonna be like, "That's one of my favourite films." Yeah, because it's so yeah. Maybe I need to watch it again. I think it's because it got a bit silly at the end. Um, in a in a way that was kind of like oh we're making a film here so we need to make it a bit silly and it didn't really fit in with the rest for me yeah uh, if I had to choose yeah. I would go for Arrival yeah go on then I'll I'll, I'll go with Arrival you sure? I think I gave that an eight or a nine yeah let's go for Arrival 
yeah. lock that in. It, the fact that we had an existential crisis of uh, yeah, <laughs> of what was it of um, causality, free will, and determinism. And, yeah, yeah, causality. Yeah, that made you re-examine in the film once again. Yeah, um, yeah, I really enjoyed. Yeah, I love Arrival. Yeah, it's a great film. It was uh, again one of those films that kind of comes in at you and goes, ah, here I am. Check this out. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't sold on it until the last ten minutes. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I thought it was really good, and then the last ten minutes made me think this is a really brilliant film. But yeah, look back to a few episodes. Hence, um, I think uh, with Arrival, oh, it's one of those films that doesn't again doesn't try to do more than it's capable of, and it works within yeah. its own space, and it it exceeds that um, limitations that it gives itself to make a really powerful film about loss and love and um, and understanding and um, you know yeah that longing for something that hasn't happened that you know is going to end badly spoiler alert yeah. for arrival yeah and watching <laughs> a character like again Amy Adams in this she just conveys that so well and you, and the audience is tricked so well into believing that this has already happened and mm. you know because the, the actors the actor the character's old enough to have had a daughter she might have had it young but she's old enough to have had a daughter and it, for it to die at a young age and you know you th- she, she's moping around at the beginning she looks forlorn and sad and she's having a sort of a perfunctory conversation with her mum and then you're slowly in wines that no she this hasn't happened and she's she's learning about her life with her daughter and how it's how it tra- ended tragically and that dilemma she has of now that I know it's going to happen should I go go through with it and then as we discussed it was <laughs> well actually it's going to happen regardless of what she wants. She just has to... The dilemma is her coming to terms with it. And, yeah, again, every time you watch it, you get a new layer of understanding. So, yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. I think, well, I'm happy with that arrival yeah. for 2016. And I loved Rogue One as well that year, just because it was like yeah. a balls-to-the-wall Star Wars film that looked like a like a 60s, 50s sort of... Um, what's it, like a World War Two film, you know... I really enjoyed that film. Okay, so let's jump into 2017. With all 2017. So for me, this my daughter was born in February 2017, so this is basically when I stopped going to the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I have seen a good, a fair number of the films that year, but I've, I've also missed out on a lot of the big ones that I would have seen okay. had I carried on going to the cinema a lot. So what did you miss out on then? Let's, go, let's do it the other way around. Rather than what you have seen, yeah. what did you miss in 2017? So I didn't see Call Me By Your Name, I didn't see Lady Bird, I didn't see The Florida Project, I didn't see Three Billboards, I didn't see The Shape of Water. I've not seen any of these films either. (laughs) I didn't see Phantom Thread. Uh, Yeah, I didn't see The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Now, all of those I've mentioned have at some point been available to stream. I could have bought a lot of them and some of them for free. But yeah, those are the ones I didn't see that I know that could well have made it into my list if I had seen. Mm. Right, okay. Uh, yeah. So for 2017, I've got essentially three films. I've got Thor Ragnarok, because that's just a good, fun film. I don't know how you yeah, can't... Yeah, it really it finally understood the Thor character. Yeah, 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 it did. And what Chris Hemsworth can do with that character. Yeah, and the kind of... It put him in... You know, people criticise the MCU for being too funny sometimes, but when you get... But that's what Thor is. He's this, he's this kind of 
blowhard serious you know you know Tony Stark says it in uh, in Avengers where he goes does mother know you wear her weareth her gra- her drapes <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and and it kind of works when Kenneth Branagh's directing that but you know to see it with Taika Waititi to just have him having fun you know that's better I think because yeah. yeah he couldn't continue being blonde eyebrow eyebrowed semi Shakespearean yeah, this forever. It, that would have really quasi dramatic kind yeah. of thing. And Loki's character never really was that anyway. He was always yeah. this mischievous yeah. character. So to it, the dialogue in that film is brilliantly funny. And there's the the little character moments where he's hanging off the chain and the chain's slowly spinning, and he's like, "Hold on, hold on, wait, wait, I'm coming back around. I'm not, I'm not even moving." <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very bold opening to show you what kind of comedy you're going to get. I mean, for me, at times it, it tried too hard um, to be funny, and I didn't find it as funny as I wanted to, but it is a really funny film. Yeah. Uh, Hulk like smouldering, <laughs> like rage and fire. <laughs> Thor like smouldering fire. <laughs> Very funny. Um, yeah. And then we've got an episode on it, so we're not going to discuss it here in too much detail. Blade Runner 2049, visually f- yep. stunning, uh, solid narrative, Um just again I've already said everything I need to say on that film and then finally on my list I've got Star Wars The Last Jedi um, oh, yeah. so you're not a big Star Wars fan where does that rank in the 12 uh, oh gosh do you know or oh, 11 sorry 11 or is it 12 no no well, 11 it's 9 isn't it oh do well, you mean oh, well, Solo. oh yes um, for me it's always going to be Empire first then Jedi, I think. Then Rogue One. Then The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi oh, okay. is a really good film. Um, what was the? Why did people not like it? Oh, because they tried something different with it, and they made characters do things they maybe wouldn't have otherwise done normally. But was it they made Luke Skywalker funny or something, or he didn't care or something? No, they made him human. <laughs> it's what they did. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. If you haven't seen it and you're not really into Star Wars, it's hard to explain. Yeah. There's there's some missteps in it in terms of the narrative of a, one of the characters in it basically goes off on this misadventure. You know, and usually in Star Wars, all the adventures come to fruition, and it's like I'm, I was so right in what I was doing and made the right call ultimately in the end. Where you actually get one character who goes off to try and do something. Uh, well, actually, he right. doesn't go. He sends two other characters off to get something um, to try and stop them from this like desperate situation they're in and it turns out that Princess Leia had a plan sorry General Holdo one of the characters had a plan for it all along and she knew what she was doing and he's basically cost people their lives by going off and doing this and sending other people to do it so yeah it's a really good bit of um, like characters making mistakes and actually having real consequences um, and then Luke Skywalker makes a choice um, to do something uh, in like this. You see this all in flashback, and I th- just people didn't really like that reaction and didn't like him doing this thing. Again, if you haven't seen it, and I don't really yeah. want to spoil it for you, but <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. Well, I probably won't ever watch it, but I appreciate you skirting over the spoilers. Yeah, uh, fair enough. So those are the big three: Star Wars, Last Jedi, Blade Runner, and. Uh, Thor Ragnarok yeah what about for you for me the, the big ones this year were Get Out which I think was episode 4 of our show so if anyone wants to hear the more in depth discussion about that I think Get Out was just just brilliant um, Logan 
Logan. Might, might be my favourite comic book hero film. Mm. Maybe. It's up there with some of the big ones. Because it was... Because, you know, by 2017 I had got a bit of fatigue with comic book movie hero things, superheroes. And this just got it right. It was James Van Gold who didn't really care for canon, didn't really care about creating a sequel. And he was much, you know, he'd much rather make a good film rather than an accurate canonised one. And it sort of, it's just very gritty, you know, the first word is fuck. (laughs) And he bleeds and, you know, he has open sores. And yeah, it was the film that I think really was needed. Nerdwriter did a great video about it, saying it was the um, what was it the uh, the genre maturing. It was kind of like the the life cycle of a genre. Yeah. And yeah, really went to the cinema to see it. Um, I think it was kind of like a little treat, <laughs> a little evening off. <laughs> and it was brilliant. Yeah, really brilliant. Exactly what I needed. And I've I've watched the black and white sort of noir noir version of it, which is. Adds a little bit, which is great. Uh, yeah, Steve Merchant's great in it. Uh, yeah, really good. Yeah, it's a good film. Um, it's one of the best of that year. I, it didn't quite have the impact on me that I was hoping for. Um, yeah, I think the villain in it's a bit weak. I think that's its only downside. I th- yeah, I'd, I'd buy into that. He's he's very confident, even though he gets his ass kicked every single time he goes into a conflict. Yeah. But when you, I think, um, when you have such a small when you have a small amount of characters that you've, you know, that you're A characters and they've got real jeopardy, it's hard for them to to have the villain have a, a solid win without them just achieving their objective. Yeah, and in terms of, you know, real real consequences, real real stakes, it really was, because it wasn't one of 25 where you know they're going to come back next time. You don't know if he's going to survive it or not. You know, you don't know <clears> who's going to survive or whatever. Really, really good film. Um Another one from that year, my, my most pleasant surprise is Trainspotting T2, the sequel to Trainspotting. Oh yeah, that came out in 2017. Yeah, it's good fun, isn't it? It's, um... Yeah. Basically, you know, it's, you sort of wait 20 years for it, and I had a real fondness for the original. God, it was 20 years, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think they just did it really well. They kind of, they were very aware of how they'd aged, and what would probably happen to these people. I mean, probably more of them would be dead by now but uh, it went well we won't kill them all and yeah it will be vaguely postmodern, uh, but yeah really fun really funny kind of really brutal and just a really nice surprise yeah the first one was really captured the cultural zeitgeist didn't it in like end of 96 97 and um, was really of its time and really a cultural touchstone for many people of that time I remember I was very young when it came out I think it was about oh gosh eight or nine when it came out um, so I didn't see it at the time I think I didn't see it till oh when did I see train spotting maybe how old was that? how old were you when you saw train spotting too young I think far too oh, young oh yeah we were all far we were too like, young to watch you know, it we watched it round at our, my neighbours yeah uh, probably like 13 something like that 12 yeah. 13 yeah I think I would have been about that age as well um and yeah, it just, I certainly it, remember not understanding a lot of it. Well, you know, like a lot of the, so it might have been even. Do you terrible. know what's interesting about Trainspotting, the original, is the the film's a bit all over the place in terms of its <laughs> its its actual pacing and its narrative, and it will literally just cut in the middle of a scene, and you're like, oh, what's where are we now? It's very disorientating. Um, have you tried to read the book? 
No, I've not even attempted Irving Walsh, to be honest with you. And also, wasn't the sequ- he made a sequel to Trainspotting, a film called Porno. Uh, sorry, a book called Porno. Yeah. So I would yeah, have yeah. thought if they were ever going to do a real um, a real sequel, it was going to be called Porno. So I was surprised that... And then the, he can't, it was meant to be about Thomas Renton living in Holland, I think. And I think he ends up going back to Glasgow for some reason, where in this... Sorry, it's not Glasgow, is it Edinburgh they're from? It's Edinburgh, isn't um, it? It's yeah. not Glasgow, uh, surprisingly. As <laughs> everything else seems to be Glasgow-based. Yeah. I might be wrong, don't don't at me. Um, and yeah, it, I, th- I think, oh, I was like, oh, well, th- if they've not made it by like 2001, 2002, uh, or 2000, like, I think 2004 or something like that, when it... I, I remember distinctly uh, somebody in my family was reading it in like 2004 so I thought oh well he, I was like well Ewan McGregor's too old for it now clearly <laughs> you know he's in his late 30s now so they need to get a, they need to get the, or he's in his mid 30s they need to get a move on with it but yeah, yeah yeah anyway what are the films from 2017 so that was a really big surprise and I think uh, two more to really mention uh, The Big Sick The Big Sick was a really good film tell me about it I've not seen it it's based on uh, real events and it's basically a young couple and the girl gets very sick, she gets very ill um, they're sort of a young couple they, they've not been together for very long at all and um, it's him dealing with that, uh, kind of getting to know her family more, she's sort of in the film to begin with but then she's just in a coma for a lot of it as well uh, it's really Spoiling good it. yeah it's so yeah, so it's Kamal uh, Nanjiani who's in. He, 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 if you don't know who that is, he is the one who's been. A lot of pictures have circulated of him being super ripped because he's one of the Marvel Eternals. Yeah, he's just like a normal-looking Indian guy, and then uh, he's just super ripped now. But it was he's actually Pakistani. him. Sorry, Pakistani. Uh, it was actually him and his real-life wife uh, actually went through this, and then they wrote it, and he plays himself. And then uh, Zoe Kazan plays his wife. Yeah, not uh, his actual wife. Rather than his actual wife, yeah. <laughs> She's, you know, uh, traumatic memories for her. <laughs> you want me to come yeah. into work and do what? <laughs> I mean, like she says, she wasn't really present for a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... She's in a coma, so he, you know, she had to rely on his testimony, I suppose, for it. Yeah, I've not... But yeah, really good film. I heard it did really well as well. Um, I've it not did, seen yeah, it. it was a big surprise, uh, kind of... I'm just looking up now, so box office, $56.4 million. On a budget of... Uh, it doesn't actually say. Uh, I'll look into it. Um, but you know, it's not going to be anywhere near as expensive as that uh, to have made. Oh, budget five million. Jesus, that it's, is a yeah. You, so they did all right. Even if you had ten million or another five million on for marketing, yeah. Yeah, I saw him in um, Silicon Valley. Uh, he's very funny. Right, in that. Yeah, yeah. He's a very funny man. Um, so. Have you seen the picture of him ripped? Yeah, the man's he's stacked, shredded. isn't he? <laughs> well, he's not stacked. He's just shredded. There's not an ounce yeah. on him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a bit like when um, working hard for that. When the, the actor other... from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, when he yeah, uh, shredded, but he got jacked, didn't he? <laughs> Abs- I mean, he went up in weight, down in weight, and then got absolutely jacked. What's the actor? The called? other one from that year is uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yes, very good film. You know, it's it's a Spider-Man film. It's a Marvel film, so I don't feel like we need to talk about it much. No. But it was just great bit of casting. Obviously, he'd already been in a film by then, uh, but. Just really, really good all the way through. Yeah, right. So, what are we doing for 2017? Then, what is our what is the pod pick for 2017? Uh, please well, watch this recommendation. I think, I think it's probably got to be Get Out. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'll go with that. 
Yeah, yeah, because I don't think Blade Runner quite gripped you the way that I was hoping it would. Yeah. Um, you've not seen Star Wars. I've not seen The Big Sick. What was... Spider-Man Homecoming's uh, good. Logan, Spider-Man, yeah, T2. I think it's got to be Get Out, hasn't it? It's either Get yeah, Out or out Logan. Um, yeah. Which, whichever one of those you prefer, I'll, I'm happy with it. Should we go with Get Out because we've... We yeah. could, we've recommended that in the past, and so that's kind of a bit of continuity there. Um, I mean, yeah, 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 I can go with that, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Get Out is then from 2017. Yeah, because it is better than Logan. <laughs> yeah. They're very different it's films, though. They're hard to compare sometimes. They're, they're very yeah. different. One's a straight up drama action, the other one's a, a, like a horror satire, isn't it? It's, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so. Cool. That's 2017 done. I think we'll have a little break now, uh, just to, you know, empty our sinuses, and um, <laughs> we'll come back for 2018 and 2019. Okay. Join us after the break. Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. We are going to get straight on with 2018. Um, Hugh, this was a, a big year for the MCU. Infinity War was released and it uh, was huge. Also another big year for MCU because Black Panther got an Oscar nomination. Um, and there were some, you know, real, uh, really good horrors as well. So Hugh, what was the big film for you in 2018? Well, there's only really one film that does anything this year and it's uh, Infinity War uh, Avengers Infinity War 2018 right spoiler alert go and <laughs> go and make some toast go and make yep. or make your dinner or go and speak with a neighbour come back in about three minutes and we'll be done um, whoever thought making the villain win at the end of the film in the biggest crossover film of all time and have it basically their film was a genius in terms of subverting audience expectation. Yeah, when did we last see the villain as the as the protagonist really in a film? It was it was Thanos's film, wasn't it? Yeah. And the CGI's come to such a point now where you almost forgot that he's a big purple <laughs> nutsack. <laughs> uh, you know, well, and yeah. over... DC can learn from this. We've talked about they've just got these big CGI monstrosities. Thanos is just a big CGI thing, but he had weight and motivation. He had motivation. That was the one thing. <laughs> you know, Marvel over the last few years got really good with motivation for villains and complicated villains and, yeah. you know, two sides of a coin. And then... It was always their was weakness, the wasn't it? it? It was, yeah. He had a lot of... What's the one in the Incredible Hulk? Uh, Annihilation, was he called, or something like that? Oh. Um, Abomination? No, that's the one from... Basically the same thing, you know. Just yeah. Actually, sorry, no. He is Abomination from um, Batman yeah. versus Superman. He's called Doomsday. Doomsday. That's, yeah. See what I mean? Just pointless. Just yeah. You couldn't confuse Thanos with uh, like Dormammu. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're yeah, yeah, they're at least different. Or even Thanos what's the what's the, the villain? Thanos. Sorry, but what was the villain in Doctor Strange? What was Mads Mikkelsen's character called in that? I can never remember his oh, name. Oh, Kaecilius. Kaecilius, that's it. Kaecilius, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It took two of us to fucking put it together. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Have you ever seen a villain in a film? And actually, no, you have. Not since Heath Ledger's Joker has anyone really yeah. captured the zeitgeist of the culture, of our popular culture in the film world. The... Well, that's it's kind of an ecolo ecological message where, yeah, people agree, at least with Thanos's, um 
motivation, even if it's not, even if they don't agree with his his method and his his solution. Because obviously, you go well if you've got ultimate power, why not make double of everything? Yeah, yeah, it's still right. He should have made he should have made double of everything, shouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. And then the fact that he got rid of double the he got rid of half of all life didn't really make sense because everything would... life is resources for the life. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe if he'd got rid of all sentient, half of all sentient life, maybe. Even then. But yeah, I mean, it's a flawed plan, but you kind of go, do you know what, I don't need it explained anymore. I understand yeah. that he's the bad guy, but I also understand his motivation. And he sacrifices for it, and he feels things. James Brolin does a... Josh Brolin does a brilliant job. Sorry, James Brolin is his dad. I've been watching a lot of uh, Life in Pieces. Um, yeah, Josh Brolin does an excellent job as well. Yeah, um... Yeah, I think there's, like I said, it's one of these where we could sit here for an hour and easily talk about everything uh, wonderful about this film and how it works so well and how it develops its characters. And despite that, it's got like three different plots going off at once. It's able to mash them all together without much, um, not much, but you know, like sometimes when you've got very different characters doing certain things it can feel a bit jarring so there's not there's not a lot of jarring in between the different yeah it's beautifully held together isn't it yeah and it moves and a lot a lot of credit goes to the russos but stephen mcfeely and uh, and the other one <laughs> i've forgotten the name of the other, the other writer no no not Joe the and russos and... i mean the actual writers oh the, the writers sorry i, th- I was making a full noise because i'm not well uh it <laughs> they are called christopher marcus and Stephen mcfeely yeah Stephen that's McFeely, right that's it. you know and writers generally don't get enough credit i think for for writing it and they just did a just a brilliant job and then the russos did a you know an excellent job as well of actually putting it on the screen i think as well at the beginning of that year you also because it came out what two months after Black Panther or three months after Black Panther and there was so much hype about that film and there was so much traction that it got in the media that you just felt like oh well all the goodwill for superhero films we've hit we've hit peak superhero film now we can't how, how can Infinity War top that and it didn't just top it, it absolutely blew it out of the water. I mean, yeah. I think it should have won Best Picture this year, quite frankly. It for... certainly should have been up there and nominated. But there's a fucking there's Green Book. And... <laughs> <laughs> this is it, yeah, I mean, or Driving Miss Daisy Part 2. Um... <laughs> Driving Mr. Daisy. <laughs> yeah. That's a good... Yeah. <laughs> What's the other, so one of the film I think for me that year is A Quiet Place. I've not seen uh, it. Which... Yeah, so another horror film for you to sort of horror thrillery thing. Do you know the conceit? You know the uh, the concept of a quiet place. Uh, aliens are monsters that prey on people they can't see, but they can hear them. And if you make a noise, they'll swarm you and kill you. And somehow, that hasn't got everyone in the world killed or living in bunkers. But yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> so we're gonna do that in the future. John Krasinski, episode. though, isn't it? He didn't he? John Krasinski, yeah. Did he direct did. it? He did. Yeah. Yeah, but they're making a sequel to it, so. Yeah, I watched a couple of... I watched Bird Box later on in the year, and that was a bit shit. Yeah, I, I never watched that. It looked like a, a a poor man's A Quiet Place. Yeah, it's not it's not, it's not not awful, but I was like, oh, well, if A Quiet Place is like this, I'm not sitting through another two hours of this this year. But I'm it'll going be to go back. That. Yeah, it'll be better than that. And the fact that it's actually got a sequel, that's not like... Well, of course it's got a sequel, like some horror films like Saw and yeah. Wreck and paranormal activity get I, I think I don't know I don't think diminishing returns are unlikely to happen with this it's obviously you know it's a bit more known what will happen but 
I, I don't see it being like sometimes you get sequels that like you get a triple A rated film and then the sequel's a bit B rated if that makes sense especially right, in the horror yeah. genre I don't think that's going to happen with this but you know I'm probably going to we'll be wrong because it's not my yeah. area of speciality go on then some more films from 2018 because I've only got that's one other on my list yeah that's basically it. I really didn't go to the cinema much at all I did like Black Panther um, it was fine I, wasn't it it was nothing I read, special I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing eighth grade. I still haven't seen that. Yeah, I hear that's yeah. that is the Bo Burnham coming of age yeah. tale. Um and, him. and he's just brilliant in everything. Yeah. So yeah, there's actually very few films that year that I actually saw. I saw Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh fun fact about Ant Man and the Wasp, the first time do you know what that was the first time? Do you know the fact I'm gonna say here? Is it that it's the first time that a female character superhero character's been the lead in a uh, MCU or any superhero film other than Wonder Woman? Yeah, well, certainly in the MCU. MCU. Yeah, the MCU, yeah, because obviously 2017 you had Wonder Woman. Um, the other film that I've got... Although that's not MCU. No. So, yeah, it's the first MCU. Yeah, yeah, it's the first MCU yeah, one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I think it took 19 films. <laughs> that's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. I always thought that, after Avengers, I always thought they were going to do a Black Widow and Hawkeye film. I would have liked to have seen that. That would yeah. have been... I think well, it, I mean, there is a Black Widow... TV show, is it? It's a, film, it a film, yeah. Film, yeah. But it seems totally unnecessary now. I don't have an appetite for it. No. Yeah. I have an appetite for it if the character was still alive, but... <laughs> Spoiler alert! Yeah. Come on, if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen Endgame. <laughs> if you haven't, then you're an idiot. Sorry if you haven't. And if you're yeah. an idiot and you're offended by that, well, you know where I live. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, how about you? You got one of the films... Yeah, it was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, Which I've not seen yet. I yeah. really, really want to see that. I think we're going to make that an episode because it's a great, fun, well-made film. Um, yeah, it'll make you fall in love with Spider-Man even more so. Okay, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board. Yeah, Spider-Man's, ho- then. Spider-Man's kicking it in the dick this last decade, in the second <laughs> half. He, he had two bad films at the beginning of the decade, and he's had three wonderful films at the end of the decade. So, yeah, he's yeah. Um, definitely... His, his star power is really there, and that's great to see, because I, really, really I have a real love for uh, Spider-Man. Right, 2019 then. Go. Well, so 2018, Infinity War, that's, that's the film. Oh, 2018, yep. Yeah. I mean, it was never going to... Sorry, yeah, it was never going to be a conversation, was it? That no, was going to be anything else. <laughs> I, I, I so, wrote it in about an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> so 2019, uh, you know, this is really... The when, last year of the decade. The last year of the decade. It's really when films started to not necessarily have to be in the cinema or they're in cinema and streaming. So I'm talking about The Irishman, Marriage Story, uh, and a few others, really. You know these films you can watch from your from the comfort of your own home, or you can actually go out and uh, pay to watch them. Yeah. What was your big film of twenty nineteen? Um, Endgame, Avengers Endgame was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, it had such a difficult job to live up to its predecessor, um, and it succeeded immaculately. Um, they changed. They totally changed the focus of who you were following. They changed the focus. Oh, the storyline, they kind of, they just subverted your expectation of what was going to happen. Um, it got a bit predictable towards the end, but... Um, yeah, it got a bit smashy about CGI battle, but it was quite cathartic. Yeah, it was, you know, a good... Anything set up that well, because it's superheroes, you know they're going to win. It's just how yeah. they win and the journey of them getting to that and the sacrifices that get made. And yeah, it still pulled some surprises that I... I the big surprise of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man dying, I wasn't. I was expecting it. I'm not going to lie. 
I think they did a death fake out at the beginning and actually here's a question I don't think the film would have been better but would it have been more interesting if he'd actually died before Captain Marvel saved him and you're like oh fuck Tony Stark's now dead how are they gonna how are they gonna do it without him what um, if I suppose as the that uh, moment would series. have been quite good but I think for the legacy of that character it made sense that he was the saviour yeah who then died in saving others because that's, that's the ultimate end of that arc isn't it so that moment would have been exciting and dramatic but I think it would have been to the detriment of his overall goal yeah another so another film you already mentioned it, uh, Marriage Story I watched that recently that is oh, an yeah. excellent film Oh I'm my gonna, I'm gonna give gosh. that a go. Yeah. Yeah, I was so surprised at how good that film was. I I just ended up watching it late night one night and um I was shocked at Do you know something? I think we kind of forget that Scarlett Johansson can actually act. Yeah, she's brilliant, isn't she? Um and she did Ghost in a Shell and she kind of it always seems like she's got one sort of one mode, one gear of acting and it's the smouldering blonde, you know, and she doesn't. Her turn doesn't really go up, and it doesn't really go down. She, her character in, you know, in Avengers doesn't. She's she's meant to be this like super assassin, so she's she's always in control ninety nine percent of the time, and you know she only shows a real emotion maybe at the end of Endgame for, you know, you really see what drives her, and you know. Where with this, you actually get to see Scarlett Johansson just being an actress in a film, again, set against Adam Driver, and yeah, they're both brilliant in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> just completely out of left field. Yeah. Again, I, I, mean, I think I mean, the theme is it of Noah my... Baumbach. Sorry. Is it a Noah Baumbach film? Uh, Sorry, that's my cold coming back. Yes, yes it yeah, no, about, it is, whoever he is. He had a film is. called The Squid and the Whale uh, that I really liked, kind of about divorce. So Noah Baumbach is clearly somebody who's gone through family troubles. He's, he's quite a bourgeois. If he was French, then you wouldn't watch his film kind of thing. Oh, yeah, um, he's ve- it's a very bourgeois <laughs> film. The, the, he's yeah. a theatre... The, the male lead in this, uh, Adam Driver's character, a theatre director. And, oh, right, yeah, um, yeah. Does Scarlett Johansson run a bakery or is she she an editor for a magazine or something? Uh, Not quite. She was a former... Well, she's an actress who did, like, kind of trashy teen movies in her teens um, and then became, like, this serious actress at uh, his uh, theatre company that he started up himself. Yeah, so quite bourgeois. Oh, yeah. I I am looking forward to it, though. I will will watch that uh, gladly quite soon, I think. Yeah, um, for me, uh, yeah, 2019. Next. So I agree. Endgame is right there. Yeah, uh, Midsummer. You know, we talked about it. We did an episode on it. Yep, that was my next next one on the list. Um, yeah, I really like Midsummer. The more I think about it, I've yeah. I think my memory of the things that maybe made me cringe in a bad way or made it felt unrealistic. I, I still got problems with the way one of the character dies and just like there's no one there and then suddenly someone's there, but. Yeah, and that like no one shows real concern that he's gone missing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a game changer as far as the genre goes, I think. Yeah, and I really do like um, the actress in that. Uh, what's her name again? Florence Pugh. Yeah, Florence Pugh. She's, she's. I mean, yeah, she's just wonderful in that film. Um, she elevated that film beyond anything else. I think if it hadn't had such a good actress in the lead role, I don't think it would have worked. I know, and it really does. <laughs> so it's a good thing, the cast. Yeah. For me, the third and final one of 2019, I really haven't seen many 2019 films, uh, is Joker. 
Right, I've not seen it yet. Okay, don't shoot me, don't at me. <laughs> I, haven't, I just didn't get a chance to get out to see it. And uh, yeah, what is what is it that is so good about this film? Sell it to me. It's, uh, right, okay. Don't uh, talk to me. <laughs> it's one of those where, on the back of Jared Leto, <laughs> in Suicide Squad, doing the Joker, where you feel like we've hit, Wing and a miss. <laughs> yeah, we've hit the absolute peak with Heath Ledger, and all we're going to get is a bunch of pretentious actors going method, saying how it ruined their lives, and blah, blah, blah. Sorry, and, and tell me how that's really... different from what, what a pretentious actor yeah. going off and doing that. Well, what you mean, this... Uh, with Joaquin Phoenix. It's... Because... Oh, so nobody really wanted an origin story for the Joker, because the point was that he doesn't have an origin or it's very murky and so on. And what this does is it grounds him in reality. It makes it... It's not a comic book film. It's a man dealing with genuine trauma, genuine problems. And then having an understandable reaction to that. Yeah. Uh, it's quite funny. It's really brutal. Uh, yeah. And the physicality of Joaquin Phoenix... For, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is just physically speaking is a really brilliant actor embodying certain roles which you'll see hopefully in The Master mm. um, and it's beautiful it's a really beautiful film I can see why people think it's cod beautiful and it's cod philosophical and it's, it's all it's saying is we live in a society as a film uh, but I think it's genuinely really really good so we'll do that in a future episode Right. At okay. which point I'll properly order my thoughts and make a better argument for it. I mean, I was planning on watching it before it ever got to the point we needed to make an episode about it. Um, so maybe we'll... Jordan's next week where we're going to do the Joker. <laughs> um, I think it's out in February. I think it comes out right, on well, DVD. So uh, that'll be your birthday present and that'll be uh, what we do in February. Yeah. Right. So... Anything I'd see then? Anything else for you? So, no, that's it. That's all I've got for 2019. Um... What do we land on then? What's our because what's I, our film? Because I haven't seen the Joker, um, we can't put it on the list. You've not seen nope. Marriage Story, so we can't put it on the list. So it's a toss up between Midsummer and Avengers Endgame. Well, Endgame isn't as good as Infinity War, so I'm happy to have Infinity War as the 2018. I think Midsummer is the 2019. Hmm. Yeah. And I know you didn't love Midsummer. But at the same I'm, time, do you know what? I am happy to put in game. I am happy to put in game. I, th- I think with what the way we've, well, I'm just trying to think what when we if we looked back in this in another ten years, would we go? Oh yeah, do you remember Midsummer? <laughs> what should we put that down for? Why don't we put in game? <laughs> well, end game is more of an event that that just gives loads of fan service. I don't think it's a great film. No, like it's a, it was really great and what an experience, perfect ending, but not a a great. Of all time, you know, an all-time great movie. No, where Infinity War is a great film on its own. Yes, you have got yeah. to have seen other things around it, but the fan service element is there. But it's it's also it's also very brutally not there as well. Yeah, exactly. It, it t- Whereas I think Midsummer is something that's just on its own, in my opinion, a great film. Yeah. Do you know it what? really comes down to the fact that we've seen so few films this year. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I mean about us not being film buffs. Is, like film the, buffs, is Joker better They do whatever they can to watch all these. Uh, well, we can't put Joker because you haven't seen it. No, but if but I haven't seen if, like The Master and things like that, so you'd probably vote that as your 2012 film. 
I would, but I wouldn't put it as ours because you've not seen it. I, I think, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say. It's hard to they say. They are kind of different genres. Very different, yeah. Yeah, well... I think we have to go Midsummer. It's the only one that we've both seen that's not Endgame. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. <laughs> yeah. let's, um, let's lock that in then. So Midsummer it is for yeah. 2019. Yeah. So Hugh, do you want to rattle off the list? So... Um, if you want to do some cheesy 70s top of the pops top 10 music I'll uh, it's I'm not going to do that okay so our list (laughs) of films of the decade so coming in at 2010 is The Social Network (laughs) I'll stop doing that now Uh, 2011 it's Drive 2012 it's Avengers 2013, it's Wolf of Wall Street. 2014, it's Whiplash. 2016, it's The Revenant. 2017, it's Arrival. 2018, it's uh, the Jordan Peele film Get Out. And 2018, it's Infinity War. 2019, it's Midsommar. Yay, we got there. Yeah, I can read. (laughs) We're pretty pretty mainstream, as it turns out, so that's fine, because, you know... But tell me that there isn't a really good... That is a great film list. It's a, Yeah, I'd watch that in a weekend. I mean, you do well to watch it all, but... I'll try. Yeah. Don't like tell me what I can't Social do. Network, Drive, Avengers, Wolf of War. You've got everything. You've got all different genres there. A lot of, a lot of sci-fi, but a lot of yep. hard, gritty reality things in The Revenant and The Social Network. You've got the horror with Get Out. You've got the exuberant decadent drama of Wolf of Wall Street uh, you've got the comic book fun of Avengers and Avengers Infinity War um, yeah you've got all sorts you've got taste yeah. for almost everyone so there we go yeah that's our list for the decade yeah and join us after the break where we're going to talk about films we wish we'd seen our favourite actors actresses and directors and we'll also have a little bit of fun with some awards and a quiz alright join us after the break Three, two, one. Welcome back. So, me and Hugh have compiled a list of five films that we really wish we'd seen this decade that we aim to see in the coming decade. Um, I'll I'll kick us right off. So these are my top five. At number five, it's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which we've mentioned. It's something I know is good, and I just never got around to it. Number four, Shape of Water. I've had it on DVD uh, or Blu-ray for a while. Really love Guillermo del Toro, so... It just fits that I should have watched that by now. Number three, I think technically isn't out in the UK until the 1st of January 2020, but it's down as a, ni- a 2019 film, and that's Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi's uh, latest film. Number two is Her, the Joaquin Phoenix, Scarlett Johansson film. Love loves both of those, and just really like the premise. Just again, never got around to it. And finally, number one, John Peel's follow-up to Get Out is Us. I never got around to it. And I know it's going to be flipping fantastic. There's lots of other things I could have talked about, but, uh, you know, there's there's finite time. Hugh, what are your five? Uh, yeah, so what I've done here is I've done a list of five films that uh, neither of us... Uh, sorry, that we've not mentioned yet on the podcast this <laughs> evening. Uh, so, And they're not films that you've just mentioned there. So I've gone with number one film that I'd like to see is the other Denis Villeneuve uh director film this decade uh, he's done I think two others outside of uh, Arrival and um, 
Blade, Blade Runner for 2049 is a film called Sicario. You've not uh, seen it? With Emily Blunt in. No, oh, I've not blimey. seen it. Oh, blimey. Yes, that's a future episode then. Okay, I'd like to see it as well. Um, oh. I hear that this iter- iteration Hey-o. of it is... It's uh, quite late, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good um, I, you know it made a lot of money at the box office uh, it had a follow up this year from the 2017 version so yeah I'd like to watch that um, I want to see Terex Malik's The Tree of Life yeah um, I mean that I don't think you'll like it <laughs> if you're bored by Moonlight you definitely won't like it <laughs> yeah uh, well, again I'm just trying to mention yeah, films yeah, here that yeah, we've not mentioned before tonight um, I'd like to see The Phantom Thread Daniel Day-Lewis's purportedly last outing as an actor uh, definitely got to see that at some yeah. point um, and then finally I've gone with uh, the Saoirse Ronan film uh, Brooklyn right. um, that got good reviews uh, a few years ago so uh, because pretty much every other film's been mentioned <laughs> that I can't pick. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that one because literally all the other films I have written down here uh, have been mentioned. So good lists. I reckon that'll be, of those ten films, probably a, a handful or two of future episodes for the pod. Yeah. Uh, right, so who have... So what we're going to do now is we're going to do a little quick retrospective on the decade and about... Uh, we've basically picked... Best director, best actor, and best actress. We're going to have a look in th- of those three categories and s- decide between us as a recommendation who we think's had the most successful uh, ten years. Yeah. Essentially, who's or who's had the biggest impact in cinema? Biggest impact, best um, performances, maybe the biggest breakthrough or kind of period of their career. Yeah. Maybe they might not have to have had critical success. Yeah. Uh, it might have just been at the box office, but we definitely want to have people who have um, made an impact this decade. Yeah. Um, preferably somebody who's had. If I think one of the things I want to put on this is, I think for the, all three categories, I think they have at least had to have starred in or made at least two films that, and then. Yeah, if someone's had one great outstanding acting performance but then disappeared into obscurity, that's whilst that is powerful and, you know, has lasted forever and they've been nominated and awarded for that, we're, on, we're not on about people who have just had a moment in the, sh- the limelight, we're on about people who have really dominated, yeah. quite yeah. frankly. Although, it does, again, it doesn't yeah. have to be box office domination. Anyway, for us, who would no, think? No, it doesn't. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the list of actresses first and then we're going to decide which one we think's had the best decade. I mean, it's totally arbitrary. They're all famous. They're all rich. They're all uh, very influential. Uh, the majority of them are all under <laughs> under 30. <laughs> so are under 35. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to kick us off on this one and I'm going to say uh, Meryl Streep, uh, the veteran actress who's been around forever and a day uh still getting oscar noms she has she's had six this decade um, <laughs> i mean that's ridiculous to, to greet her how she many others has she had 17 i think she had 17 oscar noms in the past is the, i mean it, <laughs> she's yeah she gets oscar nominations like the rest of us get socks <laughs> You know, but we, she wants them. We don't. We just necessarily what need would be them. The big, um, what would be the big performances from Meryl Streep, do you think, this decade? I think I'm going more on Oscar noms. She got the Oscar for The Iron Lady. Now, it's not a great film. She, I mean, to see an American actress play uh, Margaret Thatcher and it be quite uncanny is 
of an older Margaret Thatcher as well. It, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, that was the main film I remember. In I've not seen Doubt, but I think that came out in two thousand nine. So I don't think yeah. that technically counts. Um, but she's been in so much. And she's is just, it Mamma Mia too? Is just, that the one that really? Got you? I mean, yeah, that's what did it. <laughs> But again, that's, that had a cultural impact this decade. It might not have been as big as in 2008, no. but Christ, you know, it was on... It, people went to see Absolutely it. Absolutely they did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, who would you... Who else has had a good decade? Well, I've got a, a long list and it's hard to... It was really hard to, know, hard to narrow down. Amy Adams has had a good decade. She has some great performances like Arrival. Uh, she was in The Master as well. She was fantastic in that. Margot Robbie. American Hustle. Say again. American, American Hustle, Hustle yeah, it's very well. good in that. Margot Robbie's had a breakthrough um, decade, some really good performances, even in bad films. Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad. Um, Emma Stone, you know, she kind of came through for me with Superbad in 2008, but yeah. really this decade. She built on that with... All kinds. I, yeah, I saw her, I saw her in Zombieland, Zombieland and uh, Easy Yeah, uh, Crazy Stupid yeah. Love. Obviously, amazing spot. But she was in, she was in Birdman yeah. in this decade. La La Land. Yeah. I think she got a, no, a nomination or possibly won. Maybe? She won for she certainly won an Oscar. I think. Yeah, Olivia Colman has had a great decade. You know, she was just a sort of sitcom, uh, bit part player really, and then now she's an Oscar-winning <laughs> actress who's yeah, A-list A-list, actress, yeah. yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. She came through with Winter's Burn in 2010. She's won what two Oscars? You know, she's just hit hit after hit. She's she was a young adult uh, dystopian star who then she's now one of the most bankable stars in Hollywood. Um, and yeah, Emma Stone, by the way, won Best Actor for uh, for uh, for La La Land. Right, that's right. Yeah, and uh, another one that springs to mind is Carrie Mulligan. Again, a bit of breakthrough decade. She was in Shames, yeah, Drive, a lot. Yeah, a lot stronger maybe at the beginning of the decade rather yeah, that's than true. near the end. That's true. Um, but you know, another... for me, there's only really one, and that's Felicity Jones. <laughs> she was in Jones, Cemetery Junction. She was in a great film called Like Crazy. Obviously, she was in Rogue One, and I just think she's brilliant. So that's. I think Na- I think Natalie Portman's had a really yeah, great decade as well. With Black Swan. Um, yeah, yeah, she really is like. She's an A-list bankable star now. You can you can put her name on a film and people will go yeah, see it. Yeah, she's not sullied uh, by, same she's as not Kate sullied by Phantom Menace. You know? Yeah, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, <laughs> Kate Blanchett. I mean, oh God, a film I didn't mention was Blue Jasmine. Kate Blanchett is unbelievable yeah. in that film. Really fantastic film. And made by the fact that she's bloody brilliant in that film. Another bloody brilliant actress, Viola Davis, has had a yep. great decade. She's re- and a woman over forty as well. I yeah. think it's safe to say who's actually you know punching it in the dick. <laughs> uh, Scarlett Johansson, you know, you don't be in these Avengers films and keep that, you know, uh, Don Cheadle and Terence Howard prove that you, you don't have to keep these roles <laughs> to be in them. You know, so you know people are replaceable to a point. Um, who else? Brie Larson. Yeah. Um, she won an Oscar. Um, Jessica Chastain's had a great decade. You know, she's popped up in so many good films. Zero Dark Thirty, we didn't mention, but that's she's really the centre of that film, and that's that's a tough watch again. Um, yeah, you said Amy Adams already. Saoirse Ronan's had, she's a, had a, brilliant a really. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. So your yeah. your your vote was for. No, uh, I, I just started off with Meryl oh, Streep. Oh, I see, right, okay. Oh, so the, yeah, the person who I would say has had the most impactful decade as an actress, um, 
just just has emerged this decade um, and is just you know she wasn't a household name until you know maybe 2012 2013 Jennifer Lawrence yeah. you could, there's no one else it's really, hard to say there? it's hard to argue I mean maybe Emma Stone possibly uh, they they were they were very similar for a while I could they were hard they were they, different actors but they were very similar in the terms of who they kind of broke out at the end of this decade end of the last decade the beginning yeah. of this one um, I just think some there's just something great about her and it's hard to quantify there's a, there's an edge to her that's that you don't get with a lot a lot of actresses are quite prim and proper and they kind of have to because they're, they're under the microscope especially at the top level they kind of keep they're very reserved and you don't always feel like you get you know there's a part of the media that enjoys that kind of enjoys knowing about the lives of famous Hollywood actors right and they're very obtrusive and that comes with it you know they get a lot of plaudits and they you know make some millionaires and they're financially secure and everyone loves them but there's also but that media intrusion causes them to be very guarded and Jennifer Lawrence does isn't a very guarded person she's you know whenever you see her on interview shows she's quite honest and open and also I mean, she had a horrific thing happen to her yeah. this decade as well. I mean, anyone who can still go around after what happened to her and have you know have that dignity and still be a bankable star. I don't know what the next ten years holds for her. Um, you know, if we were to do this list ten years ago, I think there's a few actresses who, unfortunately, Hollywood doesn't treat and mainstream cinema doesn't treat women over a certain age. That's true. Very yeah, well. I mean, Meg Ryan, for example, when was she last in a film? Yeah, now that might be because they choose to go off and live their lives and stay out, come out of the spotlight. Um, yeah, and I th- it's disproportionate. It's not. It's not fair. Um, and there should be. I think this next decade coming, we're going to see a lot more films for for women in their forties and fifties. I think that's going to happen eventually because you know in twenty eighteen, eighteen Hollywood went. Oh, we can make films that star you know people from minorities and it's going to be you know like with Black Panther and people are going to go see yeah, that film regardless of their race <laughs> duh <laughs> yeah. yeah so so yeah I, can you argue for anyone else no I think Jennifer Lawrence has to win that one I think for the next decade if Saoirse Ronan hasn't won an Oscar by 20 um, 2029 I mean she'll be the next Leo DiCaprio <laughs> yeah. in that regard because she's She's been in so many good films and she's either the star or she's, you know, the co-lead in stuff like Brooklyn, Lady Bird. Um, Yes, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she has out. And again, I'm looking forward to all their work, to be honest. Let's do actors. Actors, darling. Actors. I think Villa Vikander, another honourable mention as well for actresses. Um, so, friend of the podcast, essentially, uh, Ryan Gosling uh, has had a great decade. Yeah, he's had a, you know, a, a from start to decade. finish. He's chosen well, uh, and he's been in films that he seems to want to have been in, and he he's been in films that he's done for the artistic merit of it. Things like Only God Forgives. He's not in it for that's not necessarily a, a high-grossing yeah. sort of film. Place by the Pines, similarly. Uh, and yeah, he's been in the huge. And then when films. the budget has been increased, yeah, he's been in Blade Runner, like. Blade Runner, uh, First Man. I mean, I didn't love First Man as much as I was hoping I would. I think the pacing's a bit of an issue in that film, but um, yeah, like he, the, the, um, Neil Armstrong, by all accounts, was quite a quiet guy, and he wasn't the chattiest man, and all these things. So they they cast really well for that for that. Um, 
Robert Downey Jr. Can you think of anyone who's had a cultural impact over the last ten years that he's had? Well, I mean, that's it. He, he genuinely, he genuinely should be in the in the race for the you know best actor for being in a comic book film. I mean, that's that's testament, isn't it, to how well you know yeah. Iron Man is the most beloved MCU character, and it's not necessarily the character; it's it's that performance. Um, there's there's a, yeah. in, in combination with the character. I think Donald Gleeson has had a great decade and taken on some great roles and really kind of matured as a performer. And I hope he kicks yeah. on because I don't think I think he's appreciated over here, but not maybe in America as much as he should be. Yeah, that's quite possibly true. Um, uh, Tom Hardy as well. Tom Hardy's really kind of he can take any role yeah, he wants. Really become a superstar. Yeah, he's, he is. Yeah, he's proper realister. Yeah. Um, again, Daniel Day Lewis hasn't done bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's, yeah, he does two Leonardo films a decade, and they're always great. And uh, he does really well. Yeah. But, I mean, you know what? Adam Dr- Phoenix, I think, has had another fabulous decade. Yeah. You know, he's taken on some interesting roles. Like uh, you were never really here. I was never really here. Uh, whatever. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, the Master Joker. It- you know, and yeah, he's just been different and fantastic in all of them. He's clearly a very artistic and interesting person you know he's not really a celebrity type celebrity person you know he's kind of no he doesn't he comes across as quite awkward yeah, doesn't he moody when and a you bit, see him in interviews yeah. and, obviously he's had an yeah. interesting life and difficult life and uh, you know yeah. he's just brilliant he, he really didn't seem like it was going to be he was the lesser of the Phoenix Brothers uh, that was just you know making a career and then it turns out he's True. bloody brilliant also hard to lose to a dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> Although at the same time, is it because that that dead guy had great performances? Then it's like Jimi yeah. Hendrix. Jimmy yeah, he's Hendrix nothing. Never, he's nothing to die. He's nothing to die. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix has never no sold out. Films, yeah. <laughs> and like, got yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, I think another actor who's had a major decade, especially at the start of the decade and into the well, no, even now at the end of the decade, Leonardo DiCaprio finally got that Oscar monkey off his yeah. back in with the Revenant, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I hear the nice, um, once upon a time in Hollywood's good. Yeah. Um, uh, Eddie Redmayne's had a good, had a good decade and, you know, wasn't really known until, uh, this decade. Uh, Adam Driver is another He's one. He's had a great few years, Adam um, Driver. And, um, Yeah can do all sorts he can be in big blockbuster films and really act in them which quite frankly he was the best choice for uh, Kylo Ren in the Star Wars films he's I'll take uh, word for it <laughs> yeah yeah he's, he's probably the best actor in all those films to be honest <laughs> um, Bradley Cooper um, Bradley Cooper's just had hit after hit really and what's he had Silver Linings Guardians of the Galaxy what else has he had though? A Limitless, uh, and then he was oh, yeah, American yeah. Sniper, which wasn't big here, was huge. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course, American Sniper. Uh, that was a great film. I should have mentioned that. Was that twenty thirteen? Something like that? that. Yeah, 2012, 2013, yeah, that, that area. Yeah, that was a really that was Clint Eastwood, wasn't it? Um, yeah, he's yeah, and he had the um, A Star Is Born yeah. as well, which got a lot of Oscar hype uh, at the end of the last year, beginning and of then, this year. Uh, very recently, um, Taron Egerton uh, as just you know with Rocket Man. Uh, Kingsman Jack O'Connell Jack as well. O'Connell yeah so you know it's, a, it's been a strong strong decade I mean Denzel's still knocking it out of the park who would be your number one then Marshall Michelle oh my god Michelle yeah I mean kind of basically unknown, unknown at the, the beginning, beginning of the decade. now he's got two Oscars and he's going to be Blade <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, yeah and he's going to be absolutely amazing at Blade and we're going to look back and laugh at Wesley Snipes <laughs> yeah. when he, and go that was so bad because a real actor, quite frankly, is going to come in and do the job properly. But um, still great. <laughs> the original Blade. 
The other actor I've not mentioned on this, but I maybe more for his TV work rather than his film work. I put Mark Rylance. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. He's Bridge of Spies was really good. Um, he's he's the best thing in that. Um, has one of the best bits of dialogue in all of the uh, cinema over the last ten years. When um, when uh, Tom Hanks' characters character asks him, he's like, "Why are you not panicking?" And he goes, "I can panic if it would help." Yeah. <laughs> would it help? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just just completely disarms the situation because he can't do anything about it. Um, Matthew McConaughey, he's carried on the McConaughey yeah. with Interstellar. Um, yeah, there's a lot to choose from, quite frankly. I said Ready Redmayne. I should should mention that he had the Danish Girl and Theory of Everything, but he also kicked off his own. You know, you don't get a Harry Potter franchise lightly if you're not if they don't think you've got enough star power to carry it for 25 films or however <laughs> yeah. long that's going to go for. Yeah, I, I think that's a good um, I think for me, it's a toss-up between Ryan Gosling and Mahershala because just, I mean, Ryan Gosling was already known from The Notebook, which I think was about 2004, but he really kicked on from, like, this decade. See, for me, it's between Leonardo DiCaprio, Marshall Ali, and Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I'll be happy with any of those three. It's a hard choice. Because Jennifer Lawrence kind of just squeaked ahead of the rest. Yeah. She, but it was a head and a shoulder above the rest. But I know that usually means, oh, you've not squeaked, you've absolutely trounced the competition. <laughs> but yeah, it was. I couldn't. When I wrote that list, it was the one that popped, where for me, Leonardo DiCaprio, Joaquin Phoenix, Marshall Ali, they all, yeah, they've all had great decades. I think I might have to give it to Leo just because he's pretty much had a hit. In every portion of the decade, he had a hit at the beginning, he had a hit in the middle, and he's had a hit at the end. Yeah, we'll go for Leo. Got all Leo got yeah. his Oscar, so that'll, that'll do it. Yeah. So, for Best Actress of the Decade, we had Jennifer Lawrence. For Best Actor of the Decade, we've got Leonardo DiCaprio. I think with DiCaprio as well, there's a, there's an argument to say his, probably his best work is behind him. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You know, he also had. He was also Django Unchained. He was in that as well. I almost forgot. <laughs> He's very good in that. Yeah. yeah, I think we can be happy with Leo. What about director then? Okay, so the list I've got here, um, and if you want to add to it, just jump in. So I've got Joe and Anthony Russo. I've got Denny Villeneuve. I've got Martin Scorsese, Alan Alejandro Inanatu, uh, Christopher Nolan, Yargos Lanthimos, Damien Chazella, Jordan Peele, and Paul Thomas Anderson. See, for me, I think the top that's three. Big the top heavy. three. That's very true, actually. Yeah, but that's the nature of the business, I think, rather than rather than us. For me, the top three are Inanatu, Villeneuve, sorry, Villeneuve, and Damien Chazelle. Villeneuve, no, you were right first Villeneuve, time. yeah, Villeneuve. No, Villeneuve. Villeneuve it. no, it's Villeneuve, but it looks like Nuve. Yeah, Nuve. Yeah. Um, Nuve. won Best Director two years running with Revenant and Birdman. And I think that yeah. is pretty indicative. That is something. astonishing. David Chazelle came very close. He had Whiplash and La La Land uh, as well. So he's had a, you know, he had a bump a couple of years there. And obviously uh, Villeneuve, he... Has made what did you say four films this decade? Uh, yeah, it's either four or five. Hang on, let me just quickly check. I just want to. But he's certainly he's certainly now really bankable director, very clear style, and something that's 
worked well for Arrival, worked well for uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, so this decade, he had Blade Runner, Arrival, Sicario, oh, Enemy as well, oh, which well, okay, I've not yeah. seen. Uh, and then Prisoners. Uh, yeah, so what's that? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, so five. I knew there was another one we were missing there. Yeah, I think the only thing I would say with Denis Villeneuve is he hasn't had an Oscar win. And I know that's not always indicative of being the best director or directors of the decade, but sometimes they get it right at the Oscars as well. Like, we can sit, we do tend to go, oh, look what they got wrong, but sometimes they get it right. And so that the fact that they haven't given him a, an Oscar yet kind of might say that Inyaratu maybe had the better decade. Yeah, I think that would be my vote, Inyaratu. Um, so, and again, you know, yeah. he's got a very striking visual style and was successful. Yeah. So, should we go for Alejandro Inyaratu? Well, thing is, Birdman's good, but I don't. <laughs> I'm just going to contradict myself now, but I don't think it was the best film that year. I don't think it was the best. No, but, it was very but good, but I don't think it should have won the Oscar. In terms of direction. It's fantastic! It's fantastic, and it's just logistically, yeah. it's really impressive. There's lots of, you know, long shots, hidden cuts, uh, and it's it's fast paced. It's got that kind of whiplash, yeah. you know, drumming background. So, what about Yorgos uh, Lanthimos? Because he had basically two of the best films of the decade, completely out of left field, just out of nowhere, and absolutely destroyed it with great story, great dialogue striking visuals with the lobster and the favourite I know you've not seen the favourite so it's hard for you to uh, argue it yeah again a a very unique director in that sense I don't think he'd beat Inyaratu in my opinion but I'd be you know he's he's in there he's in the conversation yeah Uh, and then I mean it's hard to not make an argument for Christopher Nolan every film he's made this decade has made a lot of a lot of money so he's had Inception Inception, Stella Stella Dunkirk Dark Knight Dark Knight Rises Dunkirk yeah, so Inception, Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dunkirk. He's got four four films, and he's people. I see. I would argue it's whilst Inyatu has made maybe possibly made better films. I don't think any. I think only maybe Quentin Tarantino comes as close to Nolan as people go. Oh my God, there's a Nolan. No, people usually go. Oh, are you looking forward to seeing the next Brad Pitt film or the next, you know, Jennifer Lawrence film? They don't often they only really say they're looking forward to a director's film when that director has achieved so much and he hasn't maybe the dark knight rises but you quite like that film for some reason <laughs> I do, I do. Um, yeah i think that's the only misstep in the films he's made this decade and it's still a decent film and yeah i mean I'm, and uh, where i'm happy with either yeah, where I'd say with like Scorsese, he's made a couple of good ones, but I didn't really like The Irishman. Um, I don't think it's as good as everyone thinks it is. I think we're going to look back and go, yeah, it was all right. Where he made two solid films. Uh, let's go with... Uh, and then The Russos. Yeah. And then you could argue The Russos made both Infinity War and Endgame and Captain America and Civil War. They're definitely, they're definitely responsible for maturing the Marvel franchise, the MCU. And I think just yeah. on a cultural impact level, maybe the Russos should win it then. Yeah, they've. I'm. I'm going to say Nolan because we went to see Nolan films this decade. We didn't go see, 
he started off with Batman and with well he didn't start off but he, you know he did his momentum uh, momentum um insomnia uh, Batman begins um the prestige and then when he did the Dark Knight everyone went wow this guy's a great act, great director I wonder what's going to come next he did Inception everyone absolutely loved it and then by the time the Dark Knight Rises rolled around you were going to see what Nolan made of Batman not what the next Batman film was yeah that's fair well, let's go with Nolan then. he's, yeah. had, his, he's yeah. had his impact bless him so for the 2010s or the 20 teens we have got Christopher Nolan as most impactful director of the decade we have Leonardo DiCaprio as the most impactful actor of the decade and we have Jennifer Lawrence as the most uh, impactful actress of the decade I am quite happy to recommend any, pretty much anything any of those people let's do let's do it then let's recommend it to our listeners yep. right now watch these and then finally yeah, go on I, well, I didn't really want to do this when we were discussing it, but I'm going to make it. We're going to do it. We're going to come to a conclusion. <laughs> what was the best film of the decade? Well, clearly it was Inside Out. <laughs> That's what you've got, yep. isn't it? It was Inside Out. Okay, well, the fact that that didn't make it on the list for the best of that year, I think, unfortunately, I was going to have to rule it out, my friend. This is, this is why democracies just shouldn't they just don't work yeah I mean if you want to argue dictatorship you can do that but uh, I'm not I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to agree with you on that <laughs> uh, yeah so, so Inside Out would be it for me do you want the, have your, you got the, what would be your number one <clears throat> do, you, do you have the list there well see my number one didn't make it into the, the year that's either. fine I don't <laughs> think that matters yeah I was going to go with Inception yeah <laughs> yeah great film uh, still you know, I watch it every year. Um, so, do you want me to go through the top ten oh. again that we decided on? So, we've got The Social Network, we've got Drive, Avengers, uh, Assemble, Wolf of Wall Street, Whiplash, The Revenant, Arrival, Get Out, Avengers Infinity War, and Midsommar. <clears throat> well, it might sound like we're basic bitches, but I think the one there that we both agree the most on is Infinity War. <laughs> Do you know what? Before you even said it, I starred it on yeah. my paper because I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. It just make, it makes it sound so yeah, so simple. But do you know what? It was it, childish. yeah, childish and mainstream and all that. But it had a bloody big job to do, and it did it really, really well, very lucratively, to great acclaim from the fans, not from the snooty yeah. critics, but from the general, you know, well-meaning critics. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Infinity War. Uh, like of the film event of the decade, and how good it was, and how successful it was for us. I think that's what we've got to go for. I think I agree with that. Yeah, I think it's been the one that's had the biggest impact um, as film f- fans and film critics. I guess. Yeah, it's it did it did hit those people who like you said are a bit snooty they even even begrudgingly enjoyed it I think some of them yeah and uh, you know and it, it just yeah it had a big job to do and it, and it did it so that's our film of the decade uh, we've got films yep. for the years we've got actors we've got actresses we've got director uh, I'm going to hand out a few novelty awards here just for for a laugh 
you know, as, as an entertainment show. <laughs> don't, don't sound so laboured. No, we're gonna have a we're gonna have some fun now, audience. <laughs> we Christ, have recorded quite a lot. <laughs> Come here and enjoy yourself. Right. Sit down, ladies. Where's that whiskey? <laughs> got three awards here for you. The first one. In fact, what I'll do is I'll, I'll announce the award and I'd like you to guess what you think might be the winner. Okay. Most pointless reboot slash remake slash sequel. Oh, um, Spider-Man. Uh, the, the, incre- the Incredible <laughs> Spider-Man? No. The Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man. And, and Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> that was the choice. And an honourable mention to The Mummy. What a terrible idea that was <laughs> to try and reboot that. Try and create your own universe. <laughs> forgetting the monster, the universal monster universe. universe. <laughs> yeah. um, next um, one. The worst CGI moment. Oh, easily Batman, not Batman, Superman's mustache. <laughs> yeah, that's the only Injustice one. Justice <laughs> League. It's just, just god awful, wasn't it, just, it? What was it? What? I mean, yeah. Just... The power of Tom Cruise. <laughs> and finally, the worst accent. Oh, uh, oh, I had a really bad accent. Ah, do you know what? This decade was actually good. For, it wasn't too bad it for. It was difficult to find the right one. Actually, yeah. Um, no, I can't think of anyone. Not off the top of my head. So it was a toss-up between two. Um, oh, okay. The. I'll decide. Yeah, the, uh, the runner-up. It might be a film that you haven't seen. Was Anne Hathaway's cheeky Yorkshire accent in One Day? And as Yorkshireman, that that kind of that was particularly. I've, never, I've not seen it. The one that you have seen, Tarantino's Australian accent in Django. And oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was one. Yeah, Why did he put himself yeah, in that, that was like a movie. <laughs> Why did he do an Australian accent in it? Why didn't he just what do was he thinking? It didn't make sense. No, it did not. Yeah. Uh, so those I are the novelty of, yeah. awards. That's the. Co- how did I forget? How did I forget Tarantino? <laughs> I, do you know what? Sometimes when something's so bad, I just try. Yeah. Erase Repression. it from my memory. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> it was truly awful. Wasn't it? <laughs> We're gonna have a little quiz. We're gonna have a little quiz to see how much attention you paid this decade. Um, oh gosh. Yes. So, question number one. The whole decade. This the is whole right. decade. What time is it? <laughs> Leo DiCaprio appeared in eight films this decade. Can you name more than six? Uh, so he was in eight. God, I didn't realise he was in yeah. that many. Um, so he was in Inception. Yes, that's one. He was in Django. Yep. I'm writing these down to go along <laughs> just to see if I can do it in chronological order. He was then... Oh yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street, mentioned yeah. all night. Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street. He was never. He was only on Wall Street for like two minutes in that film. But there you go. Uh, then he was in The Revenant. Yeah. Then obviously, ah, one, well, that's five. Well, I can do six. So he's obviously Once Upon a Time. Yep. Time in Hollywood. Just get his <laughs> before you. I'm just writing this down, so... So he wasn't... Yeah, one long one to write it's out. funny, he, he didn't star so in a one, film two, between three, 2015 four, five, and 2019. Six. That's amazing. And you say there's two more there's this two decade more. that he was in. Uh, one of them in 2013, <laughs> one of them... Oh, actually, sorry, no, there's three more. Hang on a sec. How many have you mentioned? So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I've eight. I've mentioned one, two, three, four, five. I've mentioned six. I've done Inception, Django, Wolf of Wall Street, The Revenant, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Um, That's five. That is five. <laughs> Where did I get six from? <laughs> so is it another one in 2010? <laughs> then 2011, and then 2013. Oh, Shutter Island. Yeah, Shutter Island, very good. Two more. I forgot... I forgot Shutter Island was this decade. Everyone loves that film. I thought. It was <laughs> oh dear. Oh what he's on a oh he's the inmate. What a shock. Oh he killed his wife and children. No, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Cynical. Yeah. Oh shit. So he's got two more. Do you want to guess them or shall I just put you out of your misery? No, I have no idea. He was in J Edgar. Uh, well. Oh yeah, of course. He was God, desperate for an Oscar, was... making the Oscar. Face. Did you watch that? No, that of course was I didn't. Awful. Yeah, it looked boring as, as balls. And then finally, twenty thirteen, The Great Gatsby. Oh yeah, of course. You even we talked about it. Earlier we did. As well. We did mention it. Okay. Yeah. These next two... so he's not the lead in that. He's not the lead in uh, The Great Gatsby. So I kind he of plays forgot Gatsby. About Yes, but <laughs> it's ostensibly uh, <laughs> about <laughs> what's Tony Maguire's character. <laughs> Yeah, well, fair enough. Um, these next two questions are kind of... Even harder. <laughs> yeah, in some way. Or maybe easier. So the, the way this works is I'm going to start naming films that an actor... that all have the same actor in them. And then you've got to guess who the actor is as early as you can. Right, okay. So, so just so I'm clear. So I have to guess the actor that was in all of these films. That's right, there's five films. Let's see how well can... you can get it. So is this a bit like Only Connect where you get given like one word and then you have to, of five, and you have to try and figure out what the theme that connects all these words are essentially? Yeah, something like that. Um, so you get one, <laughs> guess, exactly like you get one guess per <laughs> film. So the first film is right. Avengers Endgame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that small <laughs> I mean, <laughs> bottle episode of a cast. Uh, yeah. Um, that could, oh, it could be not literally anyone. Um, there is a time limit to patience yeah. <laughs> to your patience yeah well you've gone with a film with like 35 people well, in just, it just say one of them minimum there's people are listening to this possibly oh, I don't Mark Ruffalo no um, Moonrise Kingdom well that was the obvious <laughs> response to anything I said there except for one Moonrise Kingdom I literally Kingdom. had like I basically had a Moonrise 1 in 400 Kingdom. chance there of getting that right I've not seen Moonrise Kingdom so this doesn't work <laughs> yeah I don't know because I've not seen number it number three and the only person I can think of is Edward Norton okay right well it's not that obviously number three obviously Okja Okja <laughs> was in Infinity uh, Endgame Moonrise Kingdom and Okja that, well that's one person. was this the cinematographer's first grip <laughs> <laughs> I've not even seen Okja either it's good I couldn't there's some point, good I couldn't, I couldn't know it from Adam number four then Snowpiercer Chris Evans no number five we need to talk about Kevin Tilda Swinton yeah well done well done Right. I say well done. That was the only. That was the only. I'd only seen two of the five films. Well, well done. Um, Question three. Same again. I regret this. I'm regretting this. Same again. What's Okja about? I honestly never saw it. It's that one where there's like it's a big hippo-looking creature, and it's been farmed for its meat, and um, it's in uh, Asia. I think Japan, possibly. I think it's Japan. Um, Yeah, it's good. Let's move on. Uh, which which uh, which actor appears in each of these following five films? Uh, Anchorman Two. Paul Rudd. 
No, but good guess. Um, uh, cowboys and aliens. Oh. What else was in Cowboys and Aliens? Other than Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig. Oh, come on, brain. <laughs> you can name one of those. I've seen both of those films as well. <laughs> Who else is in it? I don't know, Sam. Okay. Uh, number three, The Age of Adeline. Oh, who else was in that <laughs> film with... Um, what's his face? His wife. What's his? What's her name? What a man's wife. In, you know, um, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds' wife. She's in that film, isn't she? Age of Adeline. That is it the narrator from that. Have you ever seen a film that has such a weird narration at the beginning of it? <laughs> I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, honestly, I can only remember her, that actress, and I don't really rate her to be honest. Um, Blake Lively, isn't it? She's called. Oh, so that's not... right. Yeah. Uh, so it's is not it... Blake Lively. Um, Ender's Game. Is, it Harris... is the answer Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford, yeah. <laughs> is he in? Is he in? Uh... I don't remember him being in. I've not actually seen Anchorman Two. According to IMDb, he plays well Mark Tannen. So I assume that's Brick Tannen's dad. Yeah, I don't remember him being in it at all. Good. I yeah, I thought it was. I should have said him. Yeah, you should. You said who was in Cowboys and Aliens, other than Daniel Craig and uh, Harrison Ford. So yeah, I thought yeah. In, in keeping with this show. Yeah, uh, I remember him being in uh, Age of Adeline as well. Um, he's good in that actually. He's better than he's better than Blake Lively. Well, sorry, that's I know fine. she's a person. She, you know, she's perfectly serviceable as an actress. But can you actually ever remember her being good in anything? I challenge you to that because she isn't. <laughs> and I watched all of pretty much all of Gossip Girl, not through choice. <laughs> no, I don't think I've. I don't think she's shown up in a film that I've chosen to watch. So, I, I, I can't possibly comment. Questions four and five and six, um, all. Um, circle around circle around are all about actors we lost this decade okay have you checked down the back of the sofa uh, no they died um, so you sound so, really horrible now oh oh I thought they just wandered off and no one could find them and yeah the people were just going you know come back here David Bowie um, well I mean there's come conspiracy back, theories yeah uh, here we go oh yeah the island with Elvis and uh, yeah the, the um, Roswell aliens and that Bruce yeah. Lee so Obviously. what I'm going to do is describe three actors that we lost this year this decade and you've got to tell okay. me who the who you think they are as soon as you can so, is it grey and mushy no um, <laughs> this person died in 2016 aged just 27 oh Anton Yelchin yes well done um, this person died in 2014, aged 46, after returning to an addiction after Philip more than 20 years. Seymour Hoffman. Well done, very good. Flying through these. This person died this year, in 2019, aged 97. Their last film appearance was With Six, You Get Egg Roll, in 1968. They're best known as a spunky, <laughs> courageous and upbeat actress. Most notable roles include... Oh. Go on. No, I think she died... Few years ago, gone. wasn't wasn't Lauren Bacall, was it? No, yeah, that was a, that was 2016, I think. Um, yeah, her most notable roles: uh, Hedley Lamarr, no, uh, Josephine McKenna in The Man Who Knew Too Much, and as the eponymous Calamity Jane. Oh yeah, of course. Um, 
what's she called? Uh, Thingy Day. Um, I can never remember her name properly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, why do you always forget people's names when it's a quiz? Oh, Doris. <laughs> Doris Day, Doris yeah, of Day. course. Yeah, she was mad into looking after animals and that, wasn't she? Yeah. Good, good cause, good cause. A very good lad, lady. Yeah. Finally. Since the MCU Doris has been Day. the Poor biggest Doris box, <laughs> since the MCU has been the biggest box office draw of this decade, what is the overall combined worldwide gross of all twenty-three MCU films? And uh, you can give it to within one billion. One trillion dollars. One da, da, billion da, da, da. trillion gazillion dollars. Uh, it feels like that, yeah. Uh, the House of Mouse is going to buy the whole of the Earth in 2025. You've heard it here first. He's <laughs> <laughs> will have enough money to buy each individual country. I think that seems about right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. So just so, what's the combined total combined of what worldwide all gross of all 23 MCU, MCU films? So this was before 2010. Yeah. Uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> just to keep it with the theme just of the, keep, yeah, the yeah, quiz. True. Well, because I've said, since the MCU has been the biggest box office draw of this decade, what's your role? So, yeah. Not 2008. One, two. Now, I want you to bear in mind that there's I'm... people listening and that you shouldn't take this too seriously. <laughs> okay. Again, I'm in charge of the editing. I can cut this out. <laughs> or I can repeat that in a really cool audio loop for a good five minutes. <laughs> this is the smallest amount of power I've ever seen go some, to somebody's head. Uh, it's Well, you're the one rushing me. Here. I'm trying to work this out. Um, I'm going to say 5.4 billion. Oh, you're well off. $22.585 billion. Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> They've done all right, haven't they? <laughs> done all right. That is astonishing. That's averaging just under a billion each. What? That can't I be basically... right. I mean, Google told me that, but... Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Google. <laughs> <laughs> That's because they're competing what? in citizen. I was that badly wrong. I was like, because I saw a figure... I was Before the research for this episode, I was looking um, at... Uh, the top 10 grossing films of this year and uh, the top five films were all Disney properties and they combined a total of uh, $10 billion. Well, there and, you go, yeah. <laughs> Should have just run uh, but with that. that was, but that was with the biggest grossing film of all time. And then I was like, well, that's $2 billion. Uh, Infinity War must have cracked a billion. Probably Civil War might have got near a billion, if not made a billion. I think, so I was I like, think well, Infinity War got $2 billion. Black Panther yeah. got two billion, I think, or like over a billion. Did it? Christ! Oh, it got so over I was a like, anyway. so I was like, well, I was starting on a base of about four there. So I was like, well, just add another billion and a half for the rest of them because there's no way they've all made that much money. Because <laughs> I just think it would be close to ten billion. How much? Can we have that figure one more time? Twenty-two point so? five eight five billion dollars. There's, there's a separate um, quiz question here actually that I've just remembered. Who was the first actor or actress to be in two two billion dollar films? Zoe Zoldana? Yeah, well done, yeah. Nicely yeah. nicely. In connected. fact in fact, an actress who's had it kicked it in the dick this decade is Zoe Zoldana. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think we've actually no, she's really underrecognized as the amount of money that woman can make. You want a film with a with an actress in it? Zoe Zoldana's gonna bank you that book. If it? it was Zoe Zoldana she's just not acting p- alongside 
Tom Cruise and Samuel L. Jackson. Just by law of averages, that film would make a trillion pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those three should really be in a film yeah. and see if it makes any money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because she was, even before, after Avatar, she was in, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy. She'd been in the Avenger uh, films. She was, in, But she was also in all the Star Trek films as well. They made a chunk of change. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, she's she's like the she's like the franchise straddler. That woman <laughs> must make she must be minted. Well, I don't think you necessarily get you know percentage options. She must have started doing it eventually. Going, look, <laughs> walking in with a. I'll Gucci take a zero of... salary for a zero point zero one percent of the gross. <laughs> yeah. Going down to Robert Downey Jr. Oh, your that private jet's nice from a Boeing four seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so she's had a good decade. As of we, Hugh. As of we, we started a podcast, which is to be commended. I think. Yeah, plot twist though, it's now over. We're still here. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was the experiment. Yeah. Um, what are we going to do next week, Hugh? I don't know what think... year it is. I don't know whose turn it is. I don't know think what my next, name is. I think... So next week we're going to have a break. We're going to have a week off because I think we deserve it. <laughs> um, and we're going to come back rip-roaring into 2019 with another uh, film. Uh, we're not going to reveal that now because we like to have an air of mystery here. Yeah. Please watch this. Check us out on social um, media to find out how can they do but, that or whatever. But safely to say, it's my recommendation to you next time. Right, so, okay, it's, uh, so it's your turn. Are you sure? Because um, we did so- Gone Girl. No, we did uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, we did, we did It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, you know, this, you know the show. Cool, yeah. yeah it's, so, like a, it's, like a, it's like a help make it. <laughs> <laughs> if the listener wants to get in touch, maybe give us their, their lists or criticise our lists, tell us what we've missed out on, tell us what films we didn't talk about that you think we really ought to see and maybe do an episode on. How could they do that, Hugh? Well, as you know, Sam. Oh, good Lord. I did not think this would be coming this episode. <laughs> As you know, what they need to do is themselves is to start their own movie podcast. They need to review the decade in full from start to finish. Um, and inside that, that review, decade? they need to... No, no, this decade. Okay, good. They've got, they've got very little time to do this in. I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's the 31st tomorrow, so <laughs> they've, they've got to get it. They've got to get quick, uh, do a whole review. But interspersed in that review, they have to do like a coded secret message oh, yeah. that like we've been refers doing. to us. Yeah, you know which podcast we're talking to secretly. Um, yeah, they can do that, and that's and then we'll we'll listen to their episode and we'll respond to it in our own unique way. Watch the skies. If they've got an email address, though, uh, could they email us? If it's an email address that allows them to send emails, yeah, sure, <laughs> and receive. Oh well, if they want to like receive them, um, that's a diff- that's another matter, isn't it? We'll just have to I, guess. I think I think if if they want to send us an email, they can send us an email to pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail dot com. Cool. Where <laughs> Sam, if they want to contact us in other forms, maybe through, via the medium of um, I don't know, say, dance. psychics, um, <laughs> you know, mediums themselves. Yeah. Um, how could, could they do that or would they have to find a different platform they'd have to um, reinvent the laws of nature and physics so that those things were real and then possibly kill us so that we could be contacted using a medium alternatively if they do have an ISDN line or a dial up modem then they can get us on twitter at in 2004 <laughs> in 2004 wait 15-16 years and then get us at please watch pod 
uh, talk to us on Twitter. We like talking to you people on Twitter. Do we have Do we have a presence on Facebook at all? We've got a presence on Facebook. It's called Please Watch This. I basically go on there to say, this week's show is this. Here's a link. See you next week. And then I'll put another link. So we don't really use Facebook for the much communication, but Twitter's really our, our sphere. But it is, it, yeah. Twi- We've got a presence. It is upon the Twitter sphere. Yeah. Yeah. We'll grow it as the years go on. We will. Um... Right, well, what a wonderful review this is going to be, and um, yeah. Bumper. Do you have anything else to say to the listeners? Uh, I love you. Yeah. Oh, that is sweet. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he nice to you? Doesn't he, does he treat you well, listeners? You doesn't. I give you all this magical content. <laughs> and this rich tomber. Uh Sorry yeah. that my nose Do has like been bugged jam? up this week. I genuinely didn't know. <laughs> so, apologies for that on the listen. I hope you got through it. And uh, yeah, we really, really love you. Well, I really, really love you. So I will yeah, speak to you next really, week. Really you. Hugh might Take speak care. to you next time. And, uh, well, it'll be next time, not next week. Next time, keep watching the skies. Bye. Oh, meteorites. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.